There we are. We're on the internet. Okay, hold on. Uh oh. Uh oh. Everything uh -oh. okay? Uh, yes. We've got you back. We, I was a bit concerned because uh, I couldn't hear you on either Discord or the stream for a minute there. Um, oh. Crashed. Uh oh. So I was sort of talking to Josh, freaking out about it, going, Oh goodness, she's probably crashed, gonna probably starting a new her computer or something. But here you are, you're back. I'm gonna check on Facebook to see whether or not the stream is going through there live. Sure. Um, yeah. That's I, good for you. I believe Give it me a is. I did look I so. on it. We are good to go. Everything's good on the street. All right. Cool. <laughs> I see it there. Yay. All right. I'm gonna like it and share it because that's what I'm doing. All right. Well, while you're doing that, hey, Internet, uh, hope you are here with us. If you're not, um, hope you will be soon. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the game. Uh, if you're just joining us, we are a tabletop talk show and podcast brought to you by Dungeon Studios. Uh, we go beyond live play and dive deep into every topic from session zeros to campaign heroes. Uh, we have lively debates, thoughtful analysis, and plenty of laughs. And our weekly podcast is the perfect companion for just about any D&D fan. So uh, if you're new to us, we stream live and interact with our chat on Facebook every Monday at about 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. And I believe it's 2 p.m. where you're at, Russell? Uh, yeah, it is 2.12 p.m. right now in New Zealand. Here in Auckland, right. New Zealand. That's and right. It's quite a nice day, actually, for a change. We've got oh, uh, no rain. A bit of sun coming in here. You see that? Nice. Yeah. I'm going to close the curtain though, because uh, you know we want consistent lighting. Yes, yes, always important when you're on camera. Got to find the light. All right. All right. Well, so we're going to start up here. Uh, today's topic, which we're going to talk about later, is one-on-one -on -one gaming. If you listened to our podcast last week, uh, it kind of came up organically in conversation, and it sounded like Russell had quite a lot of information to give us. I was very interested because I have never participated in any kind of one-on-one -on -one gaming, so we're going to be talking about that later, so hang on to your hats for that. Um, and right now we're going to go into our, our retcon rewind because since we're talking about last week's podcast, I want to address, we had a lot of live viewers last week and there was some disappointment after our break when it seemed like people couldn't find us anymore for some reason. Like they stepped away and then all of a sudden couldn't find our feed or I'm not sure if the feed just cut off for them like mid break somehow but we got a lot of notes a lot of people reaching out saying hey what happened are you guys still on and as far as we the podcasters could tell we were still on we were still live everything looked fine so we just kind of had to keep rolling with it and uh, our uh, CEO Josh was in the background trying to figure out what was happening by the end of the show, we figured out that there was some snafu between Facebook and the music that we played in our break video, um, that there was potential like copyright issues, which is not the case. We had permission, but um, Facebook being what it is, you know, we kind of have to wait until we're out of Facebook jail to get that to um, be viewable for people. Uh, we are working on getting it up on our YouTube channel. So once it's there, you guys should have free reign to see that entire episode. Um, and most likely that will be up 
in a couple days, I will say. Um, I think I'm fairly confident that we can say that. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to address that. For anybody who was here last week, we're really sorry. And uh, I don't think we will be having those issues anymore. And stay tuned because I also have an announcement about future music in our break videos. I know it looks so shocked. <laughs> so um, that is one of the things I wanted to mention for Retcon Rewind. Oh boy, that's a tongue twister if you're not prepared. Retcon, Retcon Rewind. Retcon Rewind. There we go. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to mention is in the video or in the podcast last week, we, I dropped some uh, info that I was going to mention in the podcast, but I felt so like maybe f bombs there for a moment. No. Okay. <laughs> I actually, yeah, in my real life, I do. For some reason, when I feel like I have to be professional, it just goes whoop, out the door. Right. Um, but yeah, and then I turn into like Susie Homemaker, and I'm really not, guys. If I put off that vibe, I'm really not that. Uh, but anyway, uh, I mentioned that I have additional tips and tricks for DMs to kind of navigate the challenges of running skill challenges because it's something I'm learning. It's something I'm having to deal with right now. I did a lot of research, found a lot of cool things, felt like I didn't really have enough time to kind of put all that out there. I was going to put that out on our Facebook page. Um, you do do a lot of research. I have noticed this. It puts <laughs> me to shame. I am ashamed of, I mean, honestly, every time I've come to, to work with you guys, you just have screeds of stuff that you've done, interviews and lists of stuff. It's incredible amount of research. Well, well done. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm in the camp impressive. of I'd rather be overprepared and just throw it out than not have yeah. it. Um, so anyway, I promise you guys I will get that out. Uh, this week was uh, not the week for me to do that, but I will be putting that out soon, definitely within the next couple of days. So it looks like we've got some people in the chat saying hi. Hey, Jordan. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Thank yeah. you, so, all right, that is it for me for Retcon w Rewind. Blech, I'm still tripping over it. Maybe we need to change Retcon the name. <laughs> Rewind. I need like a little, I need a little uh, noise to yeah. play whenever I just trip over it. Um, yeah, right. Anyway, so was there anything? I can just do it. You can. You do a great job of it. <laughs> just um, it is there anything that you wanted to address from last week's episode or anything uh, you wanted to bring up? No. Not, All right. not really. Not Easy. really. I mean, I guess I, I guess the only thing I'd like to address is yeah, we had we had some technical issues and they were frustrating, but we worked through them and we do have a show and it will be coming out. So yeah, um, yay, good for that. Oh, um, look at Michael Riley. He says, "Don't you dare change the name." I'm assuming that's the Retcon Rewind. I'll just have right. to get better at saying. I'm going to have to do my R. You, you're going to have to teach me Re some um, mouth. Uh, voice acting exercises or something. Retcon <laughs> rewind. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so just basically the, the technical stuff, we, we think we've worked around it. There will be a show and we're here again and hopefully you can hear us this time and we don't have any staggering nonsense. Yeah, on, so. uh, one by one, yeah. we're just chiseling down at all the challenges. So we, well, I personally have learned one thing and that is don't touch any fucking thing after it's set up. Just don't touch <laughs> don't. it. Don't bump the microphone because it might <laughs> accidentally knock a cable that suddenly doesn't work for no reason at all. Yeah. Anything like that. And so, if you're yeah, superstitious, you know, don't step on any cracks. Don't, right. yeah, none of it. All right. All Hold right. your tongue exactly the right way. 
Okay, well. Oh, it looks like you have one of your now? players in the chat too. I know, Jordan is here. Avery is here. There's two of my players, in fact. Yeah, um, nice. So, yeah. Hey Great. there. All right. And Upright Man, who's always here with us. Thank you. He says, so right. far, so good. He should so know. Far, so <laughs> yeah, awesome. All right. So, so let's kick it off. Yeah, kicking it off with nerd news. Now, mm. I will get to what I was doing this last week, um, which is why I don't have as much nerd news because I was busy doing other things. However, mm. I did notice, and I mean, I guess, you know, nerd news is, nerd stuff is such a broad spectrum, right? Like what what falls into nerd cover? news? What does that cover? Right. I mean, I, I guess since we are self-acclaimed nerds, I don't know if you are, but I am, uh, yeah. anything that I catch interest in is gonna be nerdy, but um, right. I love, the show Archer. Have you seen the show Archer? I have seen some of an episode. Okay. Some of an episode. All right. Oh boy. We're Does getting a lot of comments all of a sudden. Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Archer is an animated show that I apparently oh, everyone. I, I haven't seen that. I have not seen that. Oh I'm no, thinking you haven't. Of something else entirely. Is oh. this is okay. Go on, go on. Tell okay, me. Okay. Okay. Oh, well now I'm going to, I'm wow. I'm not the last one on the bandwagon. I, so what no. I was going to say is um, everyone was telling me to watch Archer for a long time. And I really, I just was like, uh huh. I know I will. I'll get to it. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Finally got around to it. And I was like, why did I wait so long to watch this show? It's really great. It's one of those, you know, adult animations. So, you know, you don't want right. to watch it with your kids. I mean, you could right. if you wanted to. But um, right. and the guy who does the voice for Bob, Bob's Burgers, that's the same guy um, that does this voice of Archer, who is basically like the the luckiest shithead detective that. Okay. drinks a lot and just basically looks into everything that he's good at. Um, it's it's just, I don't even know how to explain the show. It is wacky and stupid and wild and fun. Um, but it's basically just a bunch of investigators that um, are really shitty at what they do and for some reason save the day anyway. Um, right. Yeah, so great show. Right. And uh, I guess I just saw an announcement recently that they are going to be doing their final season, the 14th mm -hmm. season. Um, and I believe the release date is August 30th. So okay. I'm a little sad because it's one of those things where when you finally find something and you don't really get all those years to enjoy it, I feel like I've compressed it down into like, oh, right. I just found it and now it's gone. It's going to be gone soon. Right. Um, that sucks when that happens. Yeah. And... Mm -hmm. uh, recently one of the major characters um the the woman who plays her passed on um i think during when we were going through covid so last season her character wasn't around and she was like the leader of their group so that season last season was kind of like they were directionalists trying to figure out like what are they doing without this character to tell them what to do and now i heard this new season Lana, who is the love interest of Archer, right. um, is probably going to be the one at the helm. And that's going to be really interesting. You just really got to watch watch an episode and really get a good right. vibe for um, these characters. It's it's a lot of fun. Okay. Um, I, I'm intrigued. I mean, if you say it's good, I'm certainly prepared to try it out and, uh, let and me see just, how that goes. My, so my favorite, this is how to me how how wild it is is my favorite character there's a character she i don't even know how to explain this but <laughs> she really 
does a lot of sexual innuendos that are like she likes to be hit a lot or like just the most inappropriate, inappropriate right, right. things that just come out she of her mouth Ella. so innocently. And she's right. for some reason, she's my favorite character. So, <laughs> wow. OK, sounds like Marla Singer from Fight Club. Oh, yes. That's a great. And yes, just like her, um, right. but more uh, more upbeat. OK. Uh, Okay, so that couldn't be had because she's pretty downbeat, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Geek, not nerd. Okay, Upright Man says geek, not nerd. All right. Well, there is there, there is a subtle differentiation between geeks and nerds, isn't there? Um, is and it there? used to be more so. Well, back in the eighties, I think there was. I mean, we had uh, Revenge of the Nerds, for example, was a movie. Did yes. you ever see that? Oh yes, right? I love that. So the. Right. So there was a sort of a fairly negative connotation towards nerds, especially at that time. Um, and that's changed over the years. And now, I mean, now you get, so there's also one of the differences between a geek and a nerd, right? I think nerds are, are like into pop culture mm -hmm. and they, they're interested in, you know, comic books and TV shows and pop culture, generally movies, all of that stuff. Um, and there's crossover between them and geeks, but geeks are like computer geeks, coders, website developers, actually professionals at what they do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so and there's a massive crossover between those two fields but there's also sort of areas where you could be on one side or the other you might be a complete dickwit that doesn't know anything about anything much except for pop culture um and you might not even be that bright and you can still be a nerd so there's no requirements for being a nerd except that you know about or you're at least interested in pop culture whereas geeks have to be quite smart so there's become i don't know i feel that that's the differentiation yeah that's kind I'm of right how i differentiate it too was geeks are like they're they lean more towards the computer and technology stuff right but uh right. upright man says that geeks get laid not nerds um I i'm going to have to disagree because right. <laughs> i'm definitely not a geek <laughs> but that's what made me laugh earlier i'm sorry oh, the nose. so funny yeah all right cool so anyway that was my announcement was final season right. of archer very excited about that and then right. also on the topic of adult animation is futurama um are you familiar with that one yeah 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 i've seen okay of futurama, futurama holds a special place in my heart because um not to get too personal but a family member of mine who was very we were very close we were very much into Futurama and then she had passed a while back and right. right before she had passed this is in the era before like when you could download digital uh shows you know um she ripped all the episodes that existed of Futurama onto DVDs for me so that wow. I could watch them whenever I wanted. And I still have that collection. I cannot bring myself to throw them away. Awesome. But back then, I think there were only like four seasons. So I only have like the right. first four seasons that right. she ripped for me. Oh, so cool, um, a little special place in my heart. But they seem to kind of like die off and then magically come back. And I don't, I'm, it has to be the fandom that keeps bringing right. them back because they'll they'll be gone it'll be you know another final season and then they right. somehow pull it out of their pants and figure out how to rewrite another episode even though the last episode right. kind of closed the them off right. you know like made it a nice tidy bow and then they go oh no we're picked up for another season shoot how are we gonna unwrap this and then they 
tie it up again nice and neat and then they get signed on for something else and they're like well how right. are we going to top this so i'm well, interested to see what happens when they start up again right are you familiar with P pembleton ward's work do you know no. pembleton ward no well he, you, you probably do you probably are have you seen adventure time yes right okay so that guy, that's that his work so, okay yeah um and he's he's got a, a what is his new show it's on on Netflix, um, something about midnight, something or another. Somebody mm. in the chat's bound to know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah, somebody in the chat. Yeah. Us out. yeah. Anyway, I, I, I just you're talking about Futurama and, and animes and ca you know cartoons and what have you. And I just happen to be a big fan of Adventure Time. It has this strange quality whereupon it seems to coincidentally always seem to be talking about something that's going on in my life. Really? It's got this strange ability to kind of magically manifest things in the real world for me. It's, it's very strange. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. And it's, um, he's the, the guy, Pembleton Ward, he clearly has some kind of initiation into some level of the occult because he clearly puts a lot of themes in there and he generally knows what he's talking about, which is quite cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yes. Adventure Time. Adventure Time has a lot of ties, I feel, to D&D. &D. I feel like there were a few... Yes episodes yes. I saw. See, I'm not an avid watcher, but my son and my husband both love it. So I tend to catch episodes kind of in the background. It's, um, it's got some really good stories in there too. Like the, the really story does. of the ice thing is, is amazing. You know, there's some really great stuff. You can take it at surface value and it's just absurd. But if you look a little bit further into it, there's some really deep shit going on in there. Yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to give it, anyway. you know, it's, it feels like this day and age we have so much to watch but yet sometimes i feel like i have nothing to watch like when i'm ready to sit down right. and watch something i'm like what right. do i watch right. and i do tend to kind of go back through my favorites over and over again so i feel right. like that is definitely worth a watch where i'm actually paying attention to the episodes and going through yeah and learning the yeah story. that's worth binge watching from from the from front to back and they're quite short episodes too which makes it quite fun yeah um there's another show i'm really fond of as far as cartoons are concerned right now on uh, netflix um now i'm gonna say this wrong because it's japanese but it's spelled phonetically it sounds like or it looks like agritsuko um okay. but i don't know how you, I, in fact i'm pretty sure that's not how you say it the, the main character's name is retsuko um, and she's like this, uh, what is she? She's, damn it, I can't remember what she is. She's an animal. All the characters are animals. Okay. But they work in an office, and it's really this mundane office drama where she's an accounting assistant, and on the side she goes to uh, karaoke and she does, like, um, rage metal screaming, and she just <laughs> lets out the rage in the karaoke. And then... After a few episodes, she ends up joining a band and becoming like this lead singer in this band, and then it gets into all sorts of stuff. But you just absolutely fall in love with the characters, and it is incredibly relatable. Like it, it, I, I know I can't do it justice trying to describe this to you, but yeah. if you haven't seen it, give it a go because it's really touching and really clever. I will um, look into that because I love anime. And what's funny is I <laughs> – so my son's best friend – has a Crunchyroll account. I don't. I should because I love anime, I but I'm also yeah. very cheap. And so he said, oh, well, you can just log into his account and you can watch any of that anime that you want to watch. Well, nice. somehow I really got into like the what they call it the slice of life genre, 
which right. sounds so dumb. It sounds like you're just watching right. paint dry. Like you're just watching someone live their life and nothing exciting happens. But for some reason, I really enjoy those I anime. I love role playing that. Yeah. Do you really? <laughs> that's, we're we're going to talk about one on one play later. Yeah. And that's the shit I'm talking about. I that's mean, that, the that's shit, huh? That All is right. the shit. That's where it's at. You get to, I'm going to save it for them. Yeah, we'll save it for later. But save so, yeah, slice of life anime. So I'm watching all this stuff. Same thing. You know, they're just, it's about, the, the whole anime is about this one woman who's just trying to cook the perfect meal. And this other anime is about this one husband who's just trying to get a promotion. And it's like 12 episodes later, he finally gets the promotion, you know. And right. so my son's best friend finally goes up to my son and he's like, what the hell? is your mom watching on my account? <laughs> right. He's like, this is so right. dumb. So I had to stop. Well, but it was just funny. We sidetracked. Um, that's all right. That's all right. All right. Somebody sure mentioned... Some, somebody's still watching. Yeah. Somebody mentioned <laughs> Red Panda. Is that an anime? Do you know about it? Uh, Avery, if you could tell me about one, that. Avery. I've never yeah. heard of Red Panda. Feel free to drop links in the in the chat too, so we can. Um, yes, please. Anime them. recommendations, especially Slice of Life. I love that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I love Slices of Life, but my I guess my passion in anime is probably like giant fighting robots. Oh really? See, I have a hard time with the mecha stuff, and I think it's we're gonna get back to geek versus nerd. But they get right. so deep into like the the lore of the mech and all this terminology that just kind of like, yeah. I get lost. Well, there's this one called Neo, Neo what is it called? Evangelion, Neo Genesis mm -hmm. Evangelion, right? That sounds it's right. It's basically about a bunch of really fucked up children who are forced to fly mecha to save the world and because they're the only ones that can do it. And it's about how that traumatizes the living crap out of them and how fucked up they get over it. Yeah. And it's, it's really much more psychological than it is about mecha. Um, so if, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's actually pretty good. It's been that, so this, long, but yeah. Right. The mech is not really the sort of central focus of it, actually. It's, the it's more about these kids who are getting traumatized and messed up. And I'm mean, not very happy, to be fair. I mean, it's not it's not going to make you laugh, and you know, yeah. but, it's, um, but it's deep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so let me, yeah, just to clarify, like I love the slice of life, but the on the other end of the spectrum is like... Um, Elf, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Elfin lied, like very okay. looks innocent. And then all of a sudden blood is on the walls and on her face and right. she's murdered everyone around her. Like, Hilarious. I like that. And then there's right. slice of life. Right. Yeah, I see that. My, my wife's probably keen on that stuff, too, I suspect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're getting some clarification here. Red Panda, Agretsuko. We think she's a red panda. Okay. Agritsuko. Yeah, she's a red panda. That's right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's right. Oh, look, and we're she getting some recommendations in here. Good. I'm going to come back to this chat later, guys, and search for all of the anime. So um, just keep right. dropping them in there. Thank you. For sure. Cool. Yeah, thank you, guys. That's, that's so, so glad to have Avery and Jordan watching today. It's, that, that, brings, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's see here. Uh, okay, I just wanted to read this comment. D&D game is about the emotional development of the characters, including the antagonist, and it's not really about the lich, zombies, whatever. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's it's really what makes a good show, good story, good anything is like, it's really what's at the heart of it is the character development usually. Right. It's about internal conflict. The, the external conflict just sort of externalizes 
and represents and is symbolic of the internal conflict. And if there's no really interesting internal conflict, well, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're just there watching people fight each other. Yay. You yeah. Know, that gets boring really quickly um, in and of itself. I mean, unless you're a fight choreographer or a stuntman or something. I mean, it kind of <laughs> goes back to, you know, the, the old... Uh... I don't know if it's a meme or a saying or whatever, but how like you try to tell people about your D&D game and they don't really care, you know, right? <laughs> because and, they don't have any connection to the characters, that? right? Right, that's so. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You sort of have to be there. Otherwise, it's and I, I have to admit, I mean, I stream D&D online with Avery and, and mm -hmm. Jordan, in fact. Um, they play in some of my campaigns, two of my campaigns, both of them. Mm -hmm. um, one of them we stream. And I. Saying that, I, I've, I've watched like the first season of Critical Role, and I, I did watch it all the way through, even though it had fairly low production values for the first season. It did. But I honestly find it hard to understand why people would watch other people playing D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've, I, I kind of get it. Like, just for me personally, I, I kind of get why other people do it a little bit, but sitting down and watching whole seasons of shows, that's hard work, man. Yeah. It is hard work, but um, it's it's I a commitment. It is a commitment. It is a commitment, and it's I mean, when especially when it's competing with like movies and and TV shows that are highly produced and so on, you mm -hmm. know, and you're choosing to sit down and watch somebody's game for three hours, um, and that's where it has to be about the story and the role playing. Yeah, um, and I'm guilty of running massive combat sequences for whole for whole fucking episodes as well. Um, and sometimes that's what you need. But if the overarching story isn't interesting, then, you know, I don't think you're going to get a lot of um, traction. But yeah, and part of the reason I stream is, frankly, just to have a record of it so that and my players like to go back and watch them. Yeah, it gives them course. an opportunity to see what they've done. And, and, and some of my players go back and watch them and come back to me with freaking notes. You fucked up this and seen blah, blah, blah. And, and this is wrong. And, and why, why is this? And don't forget, that Avery wants treasure. He's always about the treasure. He wants to know <laughs> what do those dirty barracile wizards have on them? And, and that's that. <laughs> I'm just But yeah. Uh... Well, so this is a perfect segue as we talk about how people don't want to hear you talk about your D&D &D game, and yet we're going to go to our segment, Your Week in Games, and talk about our D&D &D games, uh, &D games or tabletop right. games. Um, so this week, uh, as I mentioned, something was happening to me. I was doing something, did not have mm -hmm. any game time, any FaceTime, anything like that. Um, we went to Tennessee, and... Long story short, spent time in a cabin that Johnny Cash owned um, and wow. basically unintentionally made our whole week in Tennessee about Johnny Cash. We, I mean, that was never really the intention. It just kind of fell into line because we're like, right. oh, we're here in this cabin that was owned by Johnny Cash and then find wow. out that there's a museum and then we find out there's a restaurant right next door. So we got to go to the wow. Johnny Cash restaurant. And then course, yeah. we happen to be at a graveyard. And I know that sounds sketchy, but we happen to be in a graveyard and find out. That I went to a graveyard a few weeks ago. <laughs> and found out that Johnny Cash's um, uh, grave site was there. So we went and found his grave site. And yeah, it was just this kind of strange weekend uh, where we somehow made the entire weekend about Johnny Cash. So that's what I wow. was doing instead of playing D&D. &D. 
So you um, didn't fall down, fall down any burning rings of fire? We did not. Yes. No, <laughs> we did not. Um, yes. Mm. I'm trying, you know, see, I'm not witty when I really would want to be. I was trying to think of something and it just, it left me. <laughs> right. I hate that. Yeah. And the older I get, the worse it gets too. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Michael says, yeah. I hate stumbling into graveyards. We, I will tell you this before I move on, because I should. Um, but me and my husband, when we go vacation, we actually really enjoy looking at graveyards. They are so yeah. beautiful. Like people yeah. will put yeah. a lot of intention into, you know, how a gravesite looks. And it's it's just, we were in the Bahamas or in the Caribbean. And like nine times out of 10, if we saw a graveyard, we were like, whoop. And we just sidetracked and went over to check things out. It was so cool. Right. So yeah, I, I, I live do next, literally sort of almost next to a graveyard. You can see a graveyard from, from our sort of outside our complex. Um, it's, and it's one of the biggest ones in Auckland. Um, those of you that are in New Zealand will know Waikamiti Cemetery. Waikamiti? Um, Is that what it's called? Waikamiti. It's a Maori okay. name. Oh, wow. Yeah. So cool. but it's a big ass graveyard and it's very, very beautiful. Um, yeah. Lots of old graves there from the sort of late 18th century and so forth. Yeah, the older the better, too, because you yeah. can just really see. Oh, it's so cool. Anyway, I'm not going to go on and on about that. But um, so I have no update for this week in games, but right. I do have I've an update for. Yeah, and we're going to get to yours. I can see you have some updates mm. there. Um, so Very just rare. a quick update from Dungeon Studios, because they do have a campaign going on right now. Um Last week, I mentioned kind of an offshoot game. This isn't the main campaign that Dungeon Studios is doing. In the main campaign, we left off telling you that someone had jumped. And it was one of those, like, it was down, I think it was down some kind of a corridor or something where it obviously was not going to end well, but they chose to jump and died i may be paraphrasing this wrong because i have a horrible memory so i'll correct myself later but uh anyway this is that game they are now continuing um in the underdark my understanding is they kind of had like a get out of jail free card type of magical item that they could Ooh. use for anything and they ended up using it to bring him back to life so that kind of like retconned whatever he did and he never right. i think he never jumped i think is how it works or maybe he just came back to life not sure but anyway so they're still in the underdark they continued on um and ended up finding out that they were confronted by i guess what was the leftovers of some kind of a science team that was down here um and there was a team of miners with them that had opened up this cavern. And, and this is in Aneron, isn't it? And Aneron is Dungeon Studios' own franchise world, isn't it? Yes, correct. Thank you. Yes, right. I am so bad at that, but you are very good at this. Yes, it, this is in the world of Aneron. And uh, there are creatures that are specific to Aneron. Uh, right. We have um, Adiphage and Adajars, which are are versions of kind of like intellect devourers or mind flayers right. that apparently the signs were that this, um, these Adiphage and Adajars had kind of come through here and wiped out the miners or I'm sorry, wiped out the science team. So right. they, the team took some time to kind of like help mend them and get them back to the surface. And then they ventured into the caverns. Um, 
and encountered some of these Atiphage and Atijars. And I guess they discovered that there was a guy in a cage that these Atijars were letting the Atiphage feed on. And so the Atijars are like the mind flayers and the Atiphages are like the intellect devourers. Correct. Yes. The Atiphage are like the intellect devourers. Um, so they were letting the Atiphage feed on this guy in the cage. And one of the party members, the way I understand it is either he has some kind of an ability or magic spell or something that lets him polymorph into like a form of water. And okay. so he, with that, he was able to kind of get close to the cage and his plan or this person's plan. Sorry, I don't know if it was a him or her. This person's plan was they. to, they was to kind of do a surprise attack. But I guess it didn't work out that way as plans do, <laughs> as things do. Um, it didn't quite work out that way. And I guess there was some kind of a wall of force that was put up now yeah. separating this player from the team. Uh, right. So now this player is uh, trapped with a couple of these Atiphages and Atijars plus the guy in the cage. And... Right. That's where they left off cliffhanger. So I'm excited to hear about what happens a next. Classic Matt Colville game trick that is the old dividing the, the party with some kind of gate or wall. Really? Yeah, he does a whole episode talking about that. I, I, you, every time I'm on, I talk about Matt Colville. Sorry. Don't. No, I, I think that's great because I've watched his videos, but my problem is I have such a hard time retaining things. Uh, so I'm sure I've probably seen that, but and he it, talks really fast. He does. He, How does he yeah, manage I mean, to do that? Well, he has a teleprompter, so that that helps. Oh, does he really? <laughs> I have a teleprompter. Oh, this is too, all behind the using... scenes stuff. Matt Colville behind mm -hmm. the scenes. That should be our next segment. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, I I have a couple of little stories. I mean, I'm, to be honest, I spent a great deal of this week generating fuckloads, and I mean. Fuckloads of AI artwork. Really? Um, Avery, who's in chat, put me onto a website called uh, nightcafe.com. Um, you can sign up with a free account and you can make a fuckload of AI art very quickly. Although I want to know the exact measurement of a fuckload, but this is great. <laughs> well, okay, let me be clear. A fuckload, let me, show, let me talk about this. 1.8 thousand creations in, less than, in about a week, basically. Wow. Um, so a, a fuckload. That is a fuckload. Um, Right. And I've out of those, I published 167 of them. Those were the ones that were actually any good. Um, and three. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So a lot. Wow. And I've made everything from like NPCs to landscapes to spaceships to all sorts of shit. Now I'm just getting to the point where I am playing with the advanced features now and I'm doing stuff like masking parts of the shot and then generating new set pieces of the image, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um rather than just using the basic presets that 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 it comes with um so i'm getting a bit better at it and it's definitely improving um i'd love to show you some of it later but anyway we'll get to those um but more back to the point the the story the two stories i wanted to tell you actually um so i because i'm running a couple of different campaigns and i, I run one shots too at a restaurant i've told you about before the dyson yeah. fork restaurant so this, to start with that one, so last week I went into the Dyson Fork and sat down with a completely new group of players, except for one of them was uh, Sean, who these guys, uh, Avery and uh, Jojo, know Sean as well. He 
also plays in one of my campaigns. So he comes into the Dyson Fork. And we've got a group of new players other than him. And I, I decide that I'm sick of taverns for a starting point. And I've tried out prison for a starting point. I've done that a few times now. That's also fun to start in a prison instead of a, you know, you sort of let the players out at the very beginning of the story. But it's almost like an escape on... room type of activity. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to put them in a, in a prison cell and then um, almost immediately after they spend five minutes role-playing with each other where they can't literally can't do anything except talk to one another, it forces a group of new players to talk to each other and find out about one another right. and to learn who, who they are too. It sort of helps them see who their own characters are because they can't do anything yeah and then after about five minutes of role playing they all get taken out and they get taken upstairs to see lord duncan usually who gives them some kind of mission in return for their freedom usually but they have to work together and they have to do a thing um so that's kind of one of the formulas that i've been using quite a lot um recently but this time i decided to start in media res as they say in the middle of things so yeah. Um, we had a, a rogue in the group with a very high uh, lock picking. So I decided you're going to be right in the middle of a heist. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're going to do a heist. It's going to take five minutes, maybe 15 minutes, if you know, depending on how it goes. We'll do a heist. And after the heist, that'll give them a chance to start off with a little bit of action and excitement. Then I will introduce the main story and we'll go off and we'll do this adventure that I've planned. Uh -huh. I, I, I did. I, I spent like, I mean, I wasn't huge, but I wrote like a page of adventure notes. Sort of yeah. thing, a half page. Um, so I had an idea of what I was going to do. But uh, the heist became this epic whole other thing that took over the whole game. Oh, and wow. we just went off on this whole other tangent. And it was really good, except that I was making everything up the whole time, just improvising every every little detail of, about it because they they just stayed there and they what I expected them to do, which was to steal the shit and fuck off. Um, they ended up kind of making one or two bad decisions at the beginning that led them to getting kind of busted, which led to uh -oh. conflict, which led to more shit going down and. Um, it, yeah, it was. It became quite epic, and in the end, I mean, it was amazing because there there were certain times when they were talking about bags of holding at one point. And I've got this rule in my world where if you put something in a bag of holding, you have to name it, otherwise it disappears and you can't get it back. Oh, right? okay. And so they had um, uh, one of the characters had a had a uh, a patron. Um, who Avery, you you'll be quite annoyed, I'm sure, to know that I, I let Boots be somebody else's um, in between patron as well. There's this red cap called Boots who who works for the Winter Queen, and instead of warlocks dealing directly with her as a as an arch fey warlock, they um, have to deal with Boots, this this fey um, red cap who only they can see usually. Um, Avery's got this situation with one of his characters, so talking about it now he can now summon boots as well which is fucking scary yeah He's a complete cycle. anyway um boots was sort of wanting to make a deal with them and explain to them how they could get stuff out of the bag of holding but they weren't really he wasn't prepared to make this deal with boots so um eventually they figured out that they needed to get a list out of the bag and that somebody said list and a list popped out of the bag and the list has all the things on it that's in the bag uh -huh. great except that it's in Draconic, and it's in code. So we spent about an hour, oh maybe not God. an hour, but a great deal of time um, in, a, in a tavern 
where we were basically playing word games. Yeah. We were basically playing Sudoku. They were trying to decipher what was on the list, um, <laughs> figuring out what letters were in there. Um, they summoned a, a pseudo dragon who helped them to figure out the first two things, but the other three it wouldn't tell them because it didn't trust that they were going to use these things for good purposes. So um, it, they, they had to figure out the others by themselves, and they never did get the last one. But one of the things they did get was this Moonblade called Sensor. And Sensor uh, is looked for all over the kingdoms of Sidariel to Larathion um, by the Elven King in particular and a few other people because it's very, very powerful. And so they, the minute they take it out of the bag of holding, the next thing you know, there's basically this, the equivalent of Lord Soth, Death Knight kind of dude, this guy called Andril Usanor comes in through the door with his horses sitting outside with sparks coming off its hooves on the pavement. Wow. And he walks in there and he's throwing people against the wall with gusts of wind and lifting them up with telekinesis like Darth Vader. I was just scared. about to say Darth Vader vibes. Yeah, very Darth Vader vibes. And then the rogue cleverly, because they picked up a bunch of bags of gems earlier in the vault where they were doing the heist, and he managed to do a really good uh, sleight of hand check, and he switched the bag of holding, which had the sword in it at that point, with this other bag, and um, Andrew Usanor used to detect magic, but he picked up the wrong bag, oh, and he no. gave him the wrong bag, so he left. So they kind of escaped. And the thing is, earlier in the game, they were talking about uh, how we were having this conversation about bags of holding, how they only have so much capacity. So nobody wanted to, you know, they didn't want to overfill the bag. They were scared of putting things in it. Mm. But they did have a conversation about, well, what would happen if you just put it in water? You know, would that, and you said water, would the water just pour into it until it exploded? And they didn't really get to a kind of conclusion on that. But the last thing they did after Andrew Usenor left, at the very end of the game, they took the bag of holding with the sword and they took it down to the river in the Droob in Vane Gate and they opened it and said, water. And the water poured into the bag of holding, ripped it apart, caused this tear in time space. There's basically a mushroom cloud of water oh and fish coming down and a couple of boats get destroyed and they sort of chopped off in places. And you, they look down and they can see the mud and these eels on the bottom of the mud and you know, squiggling around. Um, and that was kind of the end of the story. They they destroyed the bag. They destroyed the well. They sent the sword into the astral plane, essentially, to be lost forever. Okay. Um, and not allowing it to fall into the hands of this Darth Vader, Death Knight, Lord Soth, named Andrew Usanor. So it was uh, it was a pretty cool game. And it came. It was all improvised, and it was frighteningly kind of scarily good. Yeah. And, and a lot of it. That came from the players and the feedback and the chemistry between the group, which was really cool. But there was another story which um, wait, wait, involved... before we move on, I just want a couple of questions. So, was that a yeah. one shot, or was that? It was a one shot. That yeah, was a that one was a shot. So from start to finish, um, yeah. what level were the players? Three. They did all that with level three. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I was. They weren't going to fight this guy. This guy was not never going to fight them. I mean, if they tried to fight him, he would have killed them. They would have died. Yeah, yeah. And when I mean, you've got to have some kind of deus ex machina up your sleeve yeah. um, to, to stop the players from getting, you know. But more often than not, if you find themselves in a situation like that, they, they're going to get. Um, and, and to be fair, it was a one shot. And I have killed characters in one shot, so. <laughs> You're like, well, just so you know, the mm -hmm. risk is there. It's um, a one shot. I, I might kill you. You know, it's definitely possible. In campaigns, it's less likely. 
The other story, which also involves someone almost dying, was last night. Um, Avery was there playing his character, Fralt, um, who is an artificer um, wizard, I think, to be, to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were in the aquifers. I've told you a little bit about this before. They were in the aquifers trying to defeat these wizards of the Barakyle Envoy. They're trying to stop the wizards from doing something with the water supply of the city of Dagdagiel. And anyway, long story short, they, they found their way to this, to this grotto with this sort of light coming in from above. And there's a waterfall pouring down into the, into the pond there. And they're trying to figure out how they can stop the water coming into the grotto. So one of them, um, Alcas, the barbarian rogue half-elf, um, decides to climb up the side. And he, he manages to get to the top. And he looks up and he sees this figure down this tunnel. And he's like, what the hell is that? And it's this sort of dark, chunky-looking thing. And eventually he starts to get suspicious that it might be a golem, okay. like a stone golem. And like, fuck. So... I can't remember exactly how this happened, but somewhere along the lines, he decided to initiate combat with this golem, and it started coming towards him. And fortunately for him, the golem's first strike was a natural one, missed Elkas and smashes into the wall, causing a pile of rubble to fall down into the water. Uh And what they didn't know at this point, and which probably is what saved them, because golem, a stone golem is a challenge rating 10 creature. And these characters are level six, and there's four of them. So they are outclassed, considerably outclassed. I was going to fuck them up. Um, (laughs) I mean, I didn't intend to fuck them up. But uh, at the same time, I'm thinking, why are you taking on this golem? Like, there there are other options here. You can retreat. There are other tunnels you could block. There are easier ways to do what you're trying to do. This is the hard way. Why are you doing it this way? But, okay, you're going to go this way. (laughs) Well, you're going to face the consequences then. Fine. So... Alcast decides to take on this golem. The other players start trying to get up the thing, and using various means, they start coming up to the top of the to the to the top of the waterfall. And in the middle of the fight, when they're busy getting smashed, and Alcast is down to like two hit points, and he's lost his will to live just about. He's sitting back, going, "Now nah, fuck this." <laughs> he's like hiding and trying to get away, basically. Um, and the druid is sending her fire moth over there to keep teleporting Elcas out of range of the of the golem every few seconds. Um, and there's firebolts flying around and arrows from the ranger bouncing, almost bouncing off the golem. The golem starts rebuilding the wall. For about four rounds, the golem ignores everybody and rebuilds the wall while oh, they wow. slowly erode its hit points. And honestly, that if, that was my get out of jail free card. Was I'm going to make the golem rebuild the wall because its primal directive its prime directive is to make sure the water flows right and if because that's what it was told to do make sure the water flows make it flow fast and protect it yeah and so all they really had to do was stay out of range of it or you know it was going to fight them and and in the end they they started calling lightning down into this chasm um, at the end of the tunnel and blocking it up with lightning and wow. firing fire bolts and arrows at weak points in the wall until it all collapsed in and that's kind of where it ended but um yeah it was kind of interesting i guess the 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 sort of um using i guess using the having a story point in the scene to do with the golem's objectives allowed me to use a higher challenge rating creature. Yeah. Because otherwise it would have been entirely focused on 
murdering these fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <I> mean, <laughs> dude's just doing his job. Uh, right. But, uh, yeah, okay, so I don't know if you potentially let something slip, but Avery says you didn't tell it was a moon moon blade. Did I not tell you that? Oh, well. (laughs) So I don't know if that's that's an an oopsie or just... uh... It's it's, technically, it's not a moon blade, but uh, in the the game, in the world of Sidariel, it kind of counts as a moon moon blade because it's an elven family lineage artifact, essentially, which... It's very similar to a Moonblade. Oh, okay. All right. Not in the campaign. Yeah. Uh, I'll come back to that. Uh, we'll, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So, wow, that's cool. But it sounds like you definitely had a lot happening this last week then, like you said. Well, yeah. That's, that's By the way, I saw yeah. in the chat, sorry, we, we got to talking, but I saw in the chat that Dungeon Studios has broken down measurements that lead up to a fuck ton. We've got butt loads and ass loads and shit loads and fuck loads up to fuck ton. So in case fuck you were ever wondering, guys, uh, we've got that right. for you. Dungeon Studios has it all. <laughs> it's, that's, a, that's a new um, measurement um, schema. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, because that way we can meet in the middle between metric and uh, <laughs> what's and, uh, the right. I don't even know the and other one. Imperial. I should know the other one. The imperial system. Yeah. Um, there's another word for it, but yes, I am metric, the imperial ruler. Yes. Ha ha ha. Do you get my puns? Puns. (laughs) I got Ah. it slowly because I'm bad about that. I'm sorry. Okay. It wasn't really very funny to be fair. That's (laughs) probably the the plain truth of it. Well, some of my players are frustrated with my puns. Actually, I, I love puns and I love horrible dad jokes like they're the best it's the stupidest ones are the ones that i end up laughing at the most and we have a character called rokan and it's like rokan or rokan (laughs) yeah well so in in the campaign that i oh sorry i gotta move my leg it's dying on me um in the campaign that i play in uh one of the guys his character's name is you creature i think i talked about this in a previous podcast but he was kind of like raised um like in slavery and so they just he was always yelled at you know you creature so he thought that was his first name and his last name but what ends up happening in our games is we're talking and we're saying hey you do this and you do that and then now starts the who me no you you no you right yeah and that happens right. like every game um right. but for some reason it never gets old <laughs> yeah now that makes sense i in, in that one shot i was telling you about i handed out a bunch of pre-gens which i'd made earlier that day and i had made the mistake of calling one of them um i'll spell it for you d-a-m-a-s yeah dams so when it came to um, sort of people asking her what her name was, she was like Damas, Damas, oh, and it ended up being Damas. <laughs> Damas. Uh, very, very quickly it became Damas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a sort of running gag for it. And I said, you, you feel free to change your character's name if you want. I realized that I, I was a bit fast on naming her that. And she was like, nope, nope, I'm committed to it. I'm going with it now. Yeah. So I, that was very brave of her, I thought. That's awesome. So yeah. Yeah, there, there's a long, there should just be like a book put out for us of all the NPCs that we name that our players like just ruin the names. Right. <laughs> Happens all the time. Right. Yeah, that's true. 
players, sorry, names of places and NPCs. Yes. Yeah. And I, I am famous for coming up with the most elaborately difficult to pronounce names that uh, nobody knows. I mean, I've got. Do you do in, the, in Do Stradaria, you do it for that reason so that they can't change it to something awful? That is a big part of the reason, to be honest. I mean, somebody tried to call their horse Chad at one point, and I was like, no. <laughs> what? No, what was wrong with Chad? Chad? I said, you can have Chadwick, but mm. you can't have Chad. Yeah. You know, come up with a real fucking name. Like, you know, did you did you watch the the, the King's Coronation a few weeks ago? The horses had such cool names. Icon and Javelin and uh, fuck, I can't remember the others, but they were those were proper those are, fucking horse names. Yeah, those are you know? good names. You know, they oh, players, honestly, Chad. shocking. They, Chad, <laughs> they put like five seconds into thinking about this sort of stuff. And here I am, like, working my ass off using all my creative energy, channeling this other world. And they're like, and it's going to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Ooh, someone's bagging world. on you, says yeah. the guy who still can't the pronounce Ferret. I don't know. Am I Ferret? <laughs> Frelt. Okay. Frelt. It's, it's supposed to be one syllable, and I, I cannot say his character's name, Frelt. Yeah. I, I didn't say I could say these names I came up with either, to be fair. I fuck up my own character's names fairly frequently. That um, I just like the spelling. Awesome. That's all. Yeah. yeah. I love it. All right, guys. Uh, so we uh, are moving on to the next segment here. Now, we're kind of ramping up towards our topic, which is one-on-one -on -one gaming. But um, I so usually I go out to the interwebs and I kind of start conversations because I, that's how I do some of my research before right. we do our show. And so I was asking people about one on one gaming. And the number one question that I got was, do you mean one DM and one player or do you mean you're all by yourself and you're playing right. D&D &D right. somehow or some so kind of game? We, we would differentiate that as solo gaming and one on one gaming. Okay, that's, see, that's, that's yeah. yeah. So um, solo gaming then is something that I feel like is fairly new. Um, maybe it's not. Maybe we're just only hearing about it now a lot. Right. Uh, with, right. with, you know, chat GPT and stuff, it seems like you're able to do this right. stuff on your own. Um, right. But uh, I thought, yeah, it seems like maybe you might have some feelings on on solo gaming if you want to discuss it and then sure, okay. we'll ramp up into our one-on-one -on -one so gaming to one -on -one. topic okay. yeah well solo gaming in a, in a nutshell is masturbation yeah <laughs> basically you're fucking masturbating you might as well read a book you might as well write a book you might as well play a video game you're not role playing this you can do it in your own mind you don't need a game system to do this you just make up a story it's just as much it's probably more fun to make up a story you know, I mean, unless you've got no imagination, in which case, I don't know, play a video game. It's, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. Have these books, you know, Pick a Path, Adventures, and uh, I don't know. They've got different names for them. Do you remember the GW, was it Games Workshop? Or somebody was producing a bunch of books years ago, like Death Trap Dungeon. And uh, the, 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 the Run Your Own Adventure kind of books? Yeah, The Wizard of Firetop Mountain or something. I can see the cover. I can see it, but I, I don't know who made it. it. Right, and they had systems in there, and there was Fabled Lands, actually. The Fabled Lands actually was not a bad attempt at this because they had about six different books, and you could go from one book to the other. It would tell you, because if you go to a different kingdom, you'd get a different book. 
And so you could move around the whole world, moving between the books, and you and, and you would be going from paragraph in this book to a, to a paragraph in that book. Yeah. And there would be dice involved, and you would fight the monsters. Of course, nobody ever rolled any dice. It's a pick. It's not like there's a DM watching over your shoulder or something, you know. So why would you? Yeah. You, you want to know where the story's going. I mean. And unless you're really dedicated, I can't say I ever was that dedicated. I just cheated. I just played it through to find out where the story was going. Yeah. You know, or occasionally you'd go back and find, go back from there because you'd, God's starting from the beginning again was just a nightmare. So, you know, there is that kind of stuff. You could feasibly get like a, a module or something and then go through it and think about how would I play this character in this situation? And now I've got to run the monsters against myself. But it's a lot of metagaming as well, so it's kind of self-defeating in my mind. Yeah. I'm sorry. So I, I, I had to hold back a laugh because Jordan Denton said, I came back at the wrong time. And it just made me laugh out loud because I'm sure they just heard you say, it's just masturbation. And it was like, what am I listening to? Um, but yeah, it sounds like, I mean, we have a couple of people in the chat that are definitely on the, the same, thing up right, man. on the same uh, page as you about, you know, and I, I definitely agree. It feels like, I mean, it's like, are you, well, I guess if you're an actor and you're acting all by yourself, it's a monologue, but right. like, the role playing yeah i guess yeah i'm trying i'm trying to find my words um well I, I mean look when i'm dming off screen between games okay like between mm -hmm. sessions i might go okay the characters are in this situation they're going to go into this next scene and there's going to be these other characters in that scene i might choose to play out that scene in my mind thinking about what they would say to each other what even some of the words they might say even trying some of the dialogue it, yeah. sort of just trying to figure out what the npcs are doing playing out scenes amongst the npcs when you know away from the players because there's like everything the players do do rather uh, ripples through the world through the npcs that they interact with and those npcs don't just pause when the characters aren't there yeah. they're doing shit they've got objectives and goals and, and lives and you know families and hobbies and what have you and they've got people that they meet and people putting pressure on them and so on and so forth so that all ripples out through the story so oftentimes you know you might have to role play through in your head mm -hmm. um what characters or npcs are going to say to each other and what information they're going to share and how how much of it you know depending on their loyalties and so on but that's not the same thing as solo role playing. Right. To use the nicer term right. for it. Um, so yeah. I'm going to be a devil's advocate here because that's usually the, the role I take in conversations is I can see well, two of us. that there could be some benefit to solo solo RPGing, solo playing, whatever you want to call it. I can't find a good word for it. Right. Um, if yeah. you're a newbie. Masturbate. Yeah, masturbate there's a you know okay let me just insert that word so uh, if you're new to it and you want to practice the mechanics of it this is really lining up with right. the word right um then yes. you do this by yourself to get better at it uh so that when you want to do this with other people you're right. not in a place of uncomfortable, you know, uncomfortability. There, right. There, okay. there is some benefit to taking out your battle map and getting some miniatures and getting some stat blocks and getting a character or even a party of characters and playing out a fight scene 
where you're playing both sides. It's not much different to playing chess against yourself. You're mm -hmm. learning how the system works. Right. But you're not role playing. Right. You're just not role playing. You're you're running a battle, sure, but you're not role playing. It's a it's it can be fun. I'm not arguing that it could be fun. It could yeah. be fun. I'm not arguing that at all. Yeah. But it's not role playing. And D and D and other role playing games, tabletop role playing games. Now, honestly, we used to call tabletop role playing games used to just be called role playing games. Right. And everything else was a video game. Right. Right. But right. now we have. Oh, my camera just fucking crapped itself. Oh, it didn't like what I said. Uh oh. <laughs> Give it <laughs> a minute. Sometimes can... uh, things will kind of pause and then um, yeah. refresh in a second. But yeah, you. It are... was actually the, the camera turned off and on again. The actual camera did that. Oh, so that's interesting. let me just go and check out my Streamlabs for a moment here. Um, where are you going? And I'm Streamlabs. just going to retransition and see if I still have you in here. Hold everybody while I use my. Hold the line. My Hopefully, you can still voice. hear me. Stop virtual webcam. Okay, I can hear you, but now um, you are not that's, that's on a video. Good start. Yeah, hold on. We'll get this going again. <laughs> it's almost like the, the system's like, well, you're pretty much ready for a break now. Here you no. go. <laughs> you know, actually, I will take this moment to talk about the break that is coming up very shortly uh, because we have some very interesting information. I teased this a little bit earlier in the show um, but we are looking for talented bands and we put out a Facebook post so if you know anyone or if you are someone who is musically inclined um, has music music videos um, what have you that you are wanting to maybe get some free promotion on come check out our uh, post on our Facebook page I hope I'm not delayed. It looks like I'm also a little bit delayed. This is interesting. Chat, let me know if I'm sounding okay. Um, but anyway, uh, so go back? look. Oh, you're back. Yay. And I'm back. Yay. I feel like I'm on a little bit of a delay, but that's fine. I can deal with it. We're almost going on break. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to retransition, make sure everyone can see you and everyone wait, can wait. hear you. Yay. Yay. Okay, so I was just telling them, we're getting ready to go to break. I know we may not be done talking about solo gaming, um, <laughs> unless unless, unless we are. Well, <laughs> I, I don't have anything amazing to add to it, to be honest. I, I Honestly, solo gaming is, I mean, I told you what it is, and that's where it kind of stops yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, actually, I might have some some touch points to go back on when we get back to our, top, our topic. But, okay. Um, okay, perfect. Cool. So... As I was saying, folks, if you're musically inclined, know someone who's musically inclined and possibly has a video that they want to get some free promotion on, excuse me, Dungeon Studios is looking for you. Uh, <clears throat> go to our Facebook page. The details are there. There is a post. I think that was just posted earlier. I should have looked earlier today, maybe yesterday. Recently. Um, <laughs> I will correct that later in post. Um, but... Uh, we, as you know, during our breaks, we like to highlight, you know, our friends of the show and play some awesome new music, um, introduce you guys to music. Uh, a lot of times these, uh, you know, music is tied to D&D, &D, uh, whether, you know, it's nerd metal that we've heard that, that we've learned that's a genre. Nerd um, metal. Nerd metal. Um, nerd metal. You know, music that you create for tabletop role-playing games, what have you. Um 
not that it has to be tied to D&D. I mean, we're looking for all genres, all types. You know, you could be really experimental. You could be, you know, into pop. You could be, you know, an indie group. But uh, we're just really interested. But you better be fucking good. Yes, be very good. And uh, you may get featured on our break. So go to our Facebook page, find out the details, send us your submissions, um, and we will help promote you uh, because we love music. So on that note, we're getting ready to go to break soon. And uh, during our break, stick around because we have two music uh, videos to share with you one is splintered reality um we've played them before they are known for being or i i don't know if they've actually created the term but i've never heard of the term nerd metal until i heard about splintered reality and it's really really good um and then arcane anthems uh they focus on music for tabletop role-playing games and we also have a little feature with michael and jeremy steal your podcast and i believe they're in the chat so stick around watch the break How how dare they join us And we also have a couple deception checks. Now, if you have never listened to a deception check, they are a lot of fun. They're really short. It's just real calls, real people, and real deception, kind of prank calls, D&D related. They are a lot of fun. So that will also be in the break. So stick around with us, and then we will be back later. We have one comment here. I just want to see. That's a very long comment. I will get back to that after the break. Um geek metal please all right we're getting requests in the chat so we're gonna start this up we'll see you guys in about 17 minutes enjoy the break and then after the break we're gonna talk about one-on-one gaming that's just enough time for you to play a solo game that is just enough time (laughs) all right guys we'll see you soon Killing other players, level one PC. No longevity. Falling up to higher tree. No more HP. No more HP. You better please. Preparing battlegrounds, level ones in the crowd. Not many are allowed. One crit could bring them down. So squishy from the mold. They're weak but very bold. Took hours to propose, but seconds to dispose. Who starts this alone? You said it. Yeah, they'll get ground to great dust. This is the last recording of one Robert Olmsted Wise. I've been trapped here for days. The locals, they won't let me leave. Not after what I've seen. I came here for research. I was studying the history of old New England. And I can't find 
with it, man. I'm Tyrell Lincoln. I'm the number one up and coming square dance DJ in the nation. I was hoping I could come up there and try my skills with you. This is, this is the spot. We have, I've never seen a DJ here. Uh, you, guys don't, you guys don't have DJs, man? No, no, no. All right, you have a good one. Thank you. Good luck out there, man. Lincoln. I'm the number one up-and-coming square dance DJ in the nation. I was hoping to come up there and try my skills with you, but he told me that you guys don't have a DJ, and uh, he told me, you know, good luck out there and whatnot, and I, it, it didn't sit right with me, you heard? So I, I, I wanted to call back up here and uh, offer my services for, for free, and, you know, I, I was hoping to spill a little bit of flavor in here so you know what you get. Uh, to be honest with you, man, we haven't had a DJ since I've worked here, and I don't think that owners are planning on it. Like, so, because we're more of a restaurant, you know what I mean? So, realistically, it's kind of like we shut down a tent and stuff like that, and just, it's never been a conversation. Okay, man, well, let me, uh, well, I'm, I'm still gonna, you know, spit a little bit of flavor in your ear, so hopefully you can, you can, you know, pass it along to him that, hey, this guy's really dope, you know what I'm saying? Put a little bit of fantasy in it, I try to, I try to mix my own stuff, and while well, you might not, you know, book me now or maybe ever hopefully you can uh it's it's you know it's like <laughs> grab that dragon do si do watch out for the fireballs though <laughs> swing your partner know what i mean watch out for the goddamn winks you know what i'm saying it's just little shit like that that i put over a beat and i and i and i get it handled you know what i'm saying yeah i, I, I totally know what you mean man but like i said unfortunately here we're more of a restaurant and like we really just don't have any need for a DJ, but that's so like you know there, there, you would need space to work and people to dance and stuff like that. And we just got a lot of table space, you know what I mean? Okay, well I appreciate it, homie. Absolutely, man. You have a good one. All right, Jeremy. Yeah. So this is what we do now. Yeah, it's kind of a it's just a big switch. We just we just solve mysteries. I've always been a Humphrey Bogart fan. I know he's so classy. I've already got my well. I'm drinking beer. Do you think we're going to get, like, some sexy lady in a red dress that's coming here with some... Her husband's cheating on her? Well, then if I, if it does happen, then I can tip my fedora ever so gently. I still, I'm glad we bought the fedoras. It was a nice touch. Absolutely. Hello? Uh, is this place open? Yeah, uh, you know what? I think we are. What can we do for you? Hello, Mike. um... Mike, I thought we just helped hot chicks in red dresses. No. Go ahead, sir. I, uh, I, I just, uh... I like the signs, looking nice out there, and I own myself a private detective agency. In fact, I used to, and that's why I'm here. Uh huh. This guy's trying to steal our secrets, Mike. T tell us more. I I basically like I I used to have a detective agency, then it was a, it was a podcast, and uh, we have friends, and my friends are gone. I can't find my friends, and now I'm, I'm looking around for my my office. Office gone. Podcast doesn't even can't find it anywhere. And I see you guys pop up in the neighborhood. Um, Michael and Jeremy steal a podcast. Mm -hmm. It's a coincidence. Crazy coincidence. Exactly. It's a weird coincidence. I don't know what to say. Jeremy it's, didn't uh, change the name of the sign. <laughs> I didn't know what business we were uh, uh, Well, uh, Well, let's see. The Number one, do, do you have any evidence? Do you have any clues? I'll tell you um, what, we can find him, for sure. Absolutely. Mike, I think we should just dive head deep into this. We'll just solve this. It'll be a never-ending case. Okay. Here's the clues that I have. There's uh, there's cough syrup. 
a lot of co empty cough syrup things left where I, where I left the office. And well, those were already weird. there. I mean, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. There's it smells weird where I left off too. Kind of smells like in here. Like, what kind of incense do you guys use? Whatever that is, it's the same kind of incense. <laughs> oh, you're coughing, are you, uh, Mike? Interesting. Hide, Mike, hide the pot. Fuck. <laughs> Um, yeah, nope. it's incense. No, it, this we just moved into the. We actually, this, the 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 landlord is going to be on that very soon. This is how it smelled when we moved in. Uh, after uh, when was your podcast gone missing? Uh, since eight thirty six a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, we moved in here at six thirty. You know, a couple hours hmm. before. So, uh, you know, what, just we can what a definitely crazy find coincidence. it. We'll we, definitely find. Yes, get, hand over yeah. all of your evidence and clues. And we'll get right on it. Here they are. Here's it's the bag of uh, beer cans. And uh, hopefully, do you guys have any? Like, how much do I have to pay you? What's the price for something? Oh, like we'll, this? Do, we'll do it. We'll do it for free. Absolutely free. Huh. Unless we catch the well, guys who did it. Yeah, if you do, you gotta you gotta let me know because I want to give them a walloping. That's my life. The messing. Yeah, up. I'd I'd wallop them too. I mean, I could see you. You you definitely have several guns on you. So Jerry Rodden's getting it. This guy's Canadian. He doesn't have any guns. Those are water guns, Mike. <laughs> Are they water guns? A silly string. <laughs> I came to Florida and I just figured, hey, when in Rome, you know, buy as many guns as you can. So that's not a bad idea. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, seventeen. So we'll guns. take, we'll take, we'll take your. Yeah, you look very. It looks it looks heavy. Actually, <laughs> actually, we might need a couple of those guns to track these guys down. Sure, they're cheap here. You can have as many as you want. What? Which one do you want? Uh, can I have the purple one? Mm-hmm. My favorite one. Oh, I don't, I don't want to take your favorite. I want it. I'll take the purple one. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. I got three purple ones. I just, oh, well, then I'll take the second purple one. Perfect. Now we all have purple guns. Yay. Let's shoot. Should we do the thing we should do and just shoot the ball into the air? <laughs> yeah. Right now. Right inside your new shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we've locked in the deal. We've we've fired our weapons indoors, and uh, I, think, I think we have a deal. Wait. In the bag that you handed over, there's a weird letter in this. What is this letter? Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't put it there. That's really random that that's there. I don't even know how to write, so. Let me read this real quick. Oh, Mike, I found Jeremy. My pack of Starburst is in this bag, too. What? 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 What, Jeremy, what do you got there? Jeremy. Uh, excuse us for one moment, sir. Jeremy, this, this note says, Michael and Jeremy, I know what you did. Oh, no. Do you think this guy wrote it? And it's, it's written re in really poor grammar. Oh, that it can't be this guy. What's the note say, guys? We have another... It's a shopping mm, list. Is, there's a second mystery now. Okay. It says it's signed the Circleville letter writer guy. Huh. He put Circle... Let me see that. That can't be right. <laughs> that's what it says. Oh, my God. That's what he wrote. That's what he signs his name as? Uh, yes. <laughs> huh. This guy sounds Circle like Circle letter idiot. writer guy. <laughs> I, I think he sounds pretty smart. He can write. Michael and Jeremy are on the case. Biddly, 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 biddly.
Belgian. This is E. Yes. Uh, hello, Cancer. We've been notified of a large nest of rodents terrorizing your establishment. Pardon? Uh, it's very unfortunate. I do. I do apologize. Uh, one of our adventuring parties can be dispatched from the central office in Storm Cove and arrive at your location within a fortnight to destroy the aforementioned foes. I think I'm a little lost here. Can you hear me? What's your name? Z. Z, thank you. So for this feat, our adventuring party will require about six pints of your finest ale, four gold pieces, and an evening with your nimblest wench. Uh, well, the only wench here at the moment would be me, even though I don't swing around that general. Um, however, I do have plenty of ales for you and your your friends. Okay, that's that's a great start, but we, the, the wench is non-negotiable, unfortunately. I could go and put on a dress for you. That is about it. I mean, I won't say no. Now, moving on, let's talk about your adventuring party selection. Are you more in for a brawny gentleman, such as a barbarian, or are you more roguish? Uh, I'm a bit more roguish myself. Okay, that's a good start. So, let's say we could get you a nice rogue. Will this? How large is the rodent? Uh, it is about, let's say, three leather boots tall. That's very specific, but I like it, Z. Let's say three leather boots tall. Now, I would say, unfortunately, you would have to apply for our advanced adventuring party. With two additional members, one being, up to depending on whether or not you have the gold, uh, an additional warlock who's made a pact with Satan. Hello, Z. There we go. <laughs> hey, guys, welcome back after the break. <clears throat> um, all right. So I wanted to comment on something. I, I went through some of the comments that I missed earlier because uh, there were some really long comments. And somebody mentioned, okay, where'd it go? Um, kind of talking about the one-on-one -on -one gaming and how it could kind of be seen as masturbation or like, you know, kind of a power play, I guess. You know, players who want the spotlight all the time. Right. I'm not going to read through this entire comment here, but one of the things they mentioned was sleep with the tavern girl. Okay. Want to know how <laughs> well you did. Sorry. I think you have the wrong table. Draw the line. Now I have actually seen that happen in several games that I've played in where it's like, yeah, I want to see how well I did uh, sleeping with this wench or what have you. Um, and right. I'm sure it depends on what table you're at, how comfortable you are with the other right. players. The table that right. I play at, we've known each other for, I don't know, 20 something years at least. Um, right. So we're very <laughs> comfortable with each other. And there right. was there was a game where 
and and my character's the only female. I'm the only female at the table, but then my character's also the only female in the party. Right. And <clears throat> I think we all went to the or they all decided to go to a bathhouse. My character did not because my character is a little cuckoo in the head and she doesn't really do hygiene she doesn't really do hygiene she kind of just like finds a horse trough and like if someone complains too much she just kind of like wipes off and like deals with it is she a druid no (laughs) she's a (laughs) she's a a barbarian Um, oh okay yeah fair cool yeah so um anyway everyone decided to go to the bathhouse i didn't but i got curious and i said hey is there like a peephole into the bathhouse and my dm was like yeah sure why not so i just decided to see what was going on and i this was not the intention at all but of course the guys go well who's the biggest and i was like i don't know that's not why i was peeping i wanted to hear your guys's conversation but then the dm was like yeah let's roll for this everyone roll and so they rolled for penis right. size basically oh my and God. the smallest yeah. character I, th- I think he's a halfling. The smallest character rolled like a nat 20. So obviously now he has the nickname Tripod. And no one is supposed to really know uh, that I that my character knows this. But we keep calling right. him Tripod. It's just, anyway, fun thing. That's so, hilarious. So oh, at the right man. table, that kind of stuff could be fun. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played a game like that since 1987. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, you know, stupid shenanigans. Yeah, no, it's that's that's pretty funny, pretty funny. I mean, some and also some of the like, I don't know. Play obviously. Here I go again, talking about Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, I love but, it. Um, it's you know, it's it's an adult game, and there is often you know there can be nudity, and you know, mm-hmm. relations do occur. Um, I mean, usually if I'm streaming it, it's not, I don't know, we fade to black or something like that. But if you're playing with people who actually, um, that you know, and it's in private, it can get quite explicit in any particular direction, whether it's sexual shit or it's violence, it can get, you know, pretty explicit. And, but you do have to trust the people that you're playing with, you know, you have to know them. You can't just do that shit with random people you've never met before. Right. That's just not on. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, have you seen those checklists for like uh, the triggers? Safety, yeah, safety checklist. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, whilst I don't hand out those checklists anymore, I have tried before and didn't have actually much success. Nobody really cares, right? Um, that I play with at least, anyway. Um, but I do try and get to know my players' sensibilities as I go. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, kind of a, a side tangent. I do want to touch on that topic, too, because um, I, I was in a conversation with someone and they were talking about, you know, these safety lists and they're so, so, so important. And I do understand the need for them. Right. But it there there I could imagine being in a game thinking about myself. Right. My, my own right. triggers, what have you. I don't think I have it a lot, um, but I could imagine being in a game and something coming up that I didn't realize was a trigger mm-hmm. Um, mm. and then, and then what, how does that list help? You know? Right, and right, so I exactly. really think it boils down to, you have to have that open communication at the table. Mm. And, you know, if someone kind of throws a white flag, like you need to allow them to say what's going on and don't just brush it yeah. off. So, yeah. yeah. I have had like in, in very rarely, but I have had at least one occasion where I've had a player come to me after a session and say, you know, the stuff that we're dealing with in this particular game is getting a bit too close to home for me. And I would like to pull back on that if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I did, you know, I mean, we were dealing with, um, it was vampire and we mm -hmm. were dealing with, uh, what do you call them? Um, fucking death porn, basically. Oh, okay. Called. Yeah, I can't What's think of the, the word name either. For that? There's a word for it, but anyway. I'm sure someone in the yeah. chat knows. <laughs> yeah. Ne so necrophiliacs? Necrophilia? Uh, not, not, not just necrophilia. It was like they, the, 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 there was a group of sabbat vampires who were killing people and making porn out of it while they were killing them. Oh, um, okay. And it was very gross, very violent, and very disturbing. And, uh, and that was kind of the point, the, yeah. so that the players would go out of their way to, to, to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which they were doing, which was good. But that that being said, I mean, it still was di didn't make it comfortable for them, especially as they had to infiltrate the group first. Yeah. Um, and I had another vampire game that was dealing with um, kids, a, a kitty ring. Yeah. Um, and they had to, they were trying to take down this kitty ring, and they weren't always very comfortable with that either. So you know, yeah. fair enough. I, I wasn't comfortable about it either, but I did put a big fuck off warning in the in the in the advertisement for the game, saying this will not be comfortable. You yeah. will not be heroes. You know this will this might be disturbing. So yeah, you know it depends what you're prepared to experience and um, how open you are to exploring your own shadow. Yeah, um, which ultimately I think will make you a better role player because that's that's another topic. Yeah. <laughs> You just keep opening up these can of worm topics that we can <laughs> use for other shows. Um, yeah. Hopefully. So on that note, uh, before hmm. we hit the topic, I just want to address, I didn't even mention that we opened the show and hey guys, Doc is in here with us tonight and we miss him tonight. Um, yeah. But he wasn't able to join us tonight. So we will not have a visit to the doctor's office, which is what we usually do right before but our he topic. Will be back but he will week, be back right? next week yeah. um, to rock your socks off, as I say. So yeah. um, we are going to bypass the doctor's office right now and head on into our topic, which is one-on-one -on -one tabletop gaming. So. Right. Last week, somehow that topic kind of came up in our stream and you had a lot to say. You were starting to throw out some stuff and I was like, wait, 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 wait. I want to talk about this more. So we put it on pause for this show. Um, so I want to hear from you. It sounds like you have run one-on-one -on -one gaming. You have way more experience in this than I do, which is zero. Um, so I would love to hear about it. Well, I mean, I don't claim to be an expert, really, but I have played a lot of one-on-one -on -one games, um, mostly with a few people, with a couple of specific people, to be really honest. Um, I haven't played one-on-ones with lots and lots of different people, um, probably three or four people at the top, um, really. But, um, yeah, what do you want to know? Well, okay, so how... I guess I need to understand the start to finish process. So right. somebody comes to you, let's say I come to you and I say, I want to play, is it they they want to play one-on-one -on -one or that they just don't have any friends to play with or? Well, okay. Well, in, in, in the situations that I've done it, um, for example, um, my friend Barry, who some of you guys in the audience know Barry because he plays in our campaigns too. Um, Barry and I have had a long-lasting friendship that's gone back like 30 years or something, and he, um, we, we spend a lot of time around each other. And so whenever I go to his house, mm -hmm. we decide, we, we end up role-playing. We just do. It's just what we do. We, we, for, for years, it was we'd go, we'd go into one of the rooms and, and role-play, or we'd go into the bedroom if that room was busy, or the living room, or outside on the balcony, or whatever. And we'd be like, okay, what do you want to play? Who's the DM? 
And so we'd we'd choose somebody's one of us would have an idea, and then we were. Oh, so you guys would take turns being the DM. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So um, we had he ran a big story for me where we in fact created a whole game system app of our own um, because I wanted to play. How old was I? I was like eighteen at the time, and we and it was a. I played an assassin, um, a modern day assassin, kind of very much Jason Bourne type stuff, you know. Um, and he ran this very long-standing campaign for me with that character, and it was lots of spying and assassinating and building bases and so on and so forth, and a lot of one-on-one role-playing. I mean, there was this particular character that um, was always kind of uh, coming into the sort of background um, at, from time to time, and eventually my character found out that he was my father, you know, and I got in a car and drove for hours by myself, all very upset about that and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, when you're playing one-on-one like that, you have time to sit in your character and be your character and feel everything that your character feels. I mean, you should be doing that anyway. Even yeah. if you're playing with a group, you should be sitting in your character, not thinking about the mechanics. I mean, that's that, and that's the problem I find with D&D is it's so fucking mechanical. Everybody's going on about mechanics all the time and it gets in the way. Yeah. It's like, let go of the mechanics and play your character and trust the other members of your storytelling team to not fuck it up, yeah. to, to maximize the drama and exploit the story. The mechanics are getting in the way a lot of the time. And I understand that D&D is, has conventions and people understand it to be a certain way. So you kind of have to run it that way, rules as written right. and so on. But when you're playing one-on-one and you have an understanding with the other player, you can you can just blow, blow all that shit to smithereens and you can play. You can really play improvised role-playing to its maximum effect. Uh, because you don't have to worry about the conventions. You don't have to worry about the rules. You can make that shit up as you go along. As long as the other person agrees to what you're doing yeah. and you're consistent with it, and that goes for any kind of role-playing game, you know, you have to be consistent. But you're negotiating with the other person, you know, and as a player, you can, you, you mean, even in D&D, you might be saying, you know, can I make a perception check or what have you? Mm-hmm. Um, so you might be doing that in a one-on-one game, of mm-hmm. course, um, but you might also make, more elaborate suggestions because you're only dealing with one DM and, you know, no other players. You don't have to worry about fairness, right? Mm-hmm. So fairness, no matter, no, no longer is an issue at all. Yeah. It's now they you. can be in the spotlight. They can be the you're spotlight. You're the hero now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're the focus. And so you get all the time with the DM playing your character. And because because you don't have those other players, and you don't have to worry about them. You can go much deeper or much further into things like your backstory. You can flip back and forth in time. You can do flashbacks and come back to the present. You can all of that type of stuff. And you can do it on a dime. You don't have to spend ages preparing for that. You can go, okay, let's just do a quick flashback. Okay, so you're in a room in a hotel, okay? And the waitress or the, or the lady from the, from the counter comes to the door and you hear a knock. Um, you see her through the window as she goes past and comes to the door. Um, what are you going to do? You know, that kind of thing. So you just make shit up and it's very, very fluid, but you do have to be quick on improvising. Yeah. Um, so it helps to have a huge stash of tropes. Um, and the thing about tropes is that you should never use them. What you should do is you just take them and, and twist then, them. Yeah. Do something else with them or combine them or, or, or 
literally see a trope that should work in this situation that someone's going to expect that would normally be reasonable and then just intentionally find something else to do because that's going to be expected and whatever you do is going to be more interesting. Yeah. Um, Have you so, ever found that if you actually stick with the trope that it confuses them though because then they expect you to flip it and you didn't? Have you done that? Right, right. Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. That that's definitely a thing as well, and it depends on the tropes too, and and the context and the game. Right. Um, so I think with D and D, you can you can be a bit more tropey with D and D because it's it's kind of more lowbrow pop culture, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas um, certain other games that I won't mention um, have uh, a high, an expectation of more drama and more tension and more interpersonal and personal conflict mm -hmm. um so you sort of it's the difference between watching a DD movie and watching fargo right you know that sort of thing or watching uh, something more highfalutin <laughs> i love that word highfalutin. <laughs> right. um yeah so upright man he's agreeing with you play your character play your character now right. this is something i had been playing DD for a long time but it right. wasn't until I really actually played this one character now for six some years that I was actually able to get into my character and really learn about role playing. So I'm curious right. um, if you're playing one on one do, and, and let's say, you know, they're not really like they want to role play. I mean, I feel like yeah. a lot of people do want to role play, but it's a for skill. Sure. It's it's something they kind of have to. I feel like you have to build it a little bit. Um, how do yeah. you help them to do okay. that? Right. Well, the first thing is I, the first thing is I insist I engage with them in character. Mm -hmm. um, and one one way to do that. And I, I do this to my players all the time. And we have a rule. This is T for timeout. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you don't do that you're still in character. Whatever you say is in character. If you don't time out, you're in fucking character. And anything you say, as, as I say to my players, I will use against you. Um, and if you do stuff that is not in the mood, theme, or context of the story, I will point it out. And I will usually do that by saying a fridge falls on your head. You know, it's a joke. Of yeah. course, a fridge doesn't actually fall on your head. But I like to joke about fridges falling on people's heads because you know you can't you can't punish people. It's rude to just punish people for doing this because they're just learning. They don't know. They've, they've never played sort of extreme role playing before. Yeah. I don't know. That's I'm just making shit up now. But <laughs> so instead of punishing them, you need to make it funny, make a joke out of it, but remind them which mm -hmm. which we're telling a story here. We're not. This is not a cartoon. And if you want, I mean, I don't know. If you, if you want that you need a different dm because i'm i want to have fun too and i don't have fun when yeah. we're just fucking around right you know anyone can do that i've been to acting school why the fuck would i want to do that yeah I'm not, I'm not trying to say i'm better than anybody else i'm just what i'm really getting at is that this is what satisfies me is right. deeper role playing and it's and i think that i'm good at it and i think that i, I mean i used to teach acting to to actors so i feel that i have the skills to help people to draw it out in other people um and I know I'm kind of blowing my trumpet here, so I apologize for sounding no. like a dickhead. But no. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely possible to draw it out of other people and you need to sort of do it subtly. Make make fun of yourself, of course. Make sure that there, that there are jokes, but keep the jokes out of game and not in the game. 
right? I mean, right. depending on the kind of game it is. If it's a game that's supposed to be funny, that's fair and reasonable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but if the comedy it has, in my opinion, needs to come from the characters being in difficult situations. And so it's like um, somebody said comedy is tragedy magnified, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's another kind of comedy, people slipping on bananas. Yeah. Right? That's not interesting in a role-playing game. I mean, it, uh, it's, 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 and people that come up with gag characters, oh, I've got a gag character. Yeah, that's funny yeah. for about five minutes. Right. And after that, what are you going to do? It gets really fucking boring really fucking quickly. I'm yeah. going to be running a game for two years, man. You're going to be in this campaign for two years. Do you think that your gag character is really going to be funny after three weeks? Right. you think anyone's going to care after you've done the same gag a hundred times? That's not interesting step outside yourself, open yourself to the possibility that you can play a character that is, has some sort of meaningful experience and that you might learn something about the human condition from it. That's, now, what that's- about, so again, I, I'm putting myself in the player's seat here imagining, but um, if I wanted to play a character that was the opposite of my my real personality it doesn't come naturally so if you were to catch me doing something that like my character wouldn't wouldn't my character wouldn't do but but i i've i've expressed that i want my character to be i don't know i want my i want my character to be fearful all the time and if if i made a started acting out of character you started right. doing things that were bold how do you mitigate that right okay well the first thing you do is you say okay stop for a minute can you run me through your character's stream of consciousness please tell me what your character is thinking right now okay and be like okay okay that's interesting because um now i i had the understanding that your character was uh more fearful and more kind of you know you you need to remind them in a in a careful diplomatic non-obtrusive non kind of not threatening railroady right yeah don't railroad them but just gently remind them who they are who their character is and what their what their objectives are and what their character flaws are and so on um rather than pounding them and say you can't do that that's not your character because that'll just put their backs up and they'll get frustrated right you know you're not out to do that okay um so yeah that's that's probably my go-to tactic okay for that Okay, good. Um, yeah, that's helpful. You can also you can also mitigate it from the point of view that before you, you now I mean, I guess we're going back to like bigger games with more people. But I was talking about last week where oftentimes I will take characters like a new player joining a group, and I will give them a short one-off kind of role-playing session. It might be much shorter than than a proper session. It might only be an hour or something, or even forty-five minutes. But I like to see my players role play before they go into the campaign because I want to know that they can play their character. And I want to be able to give them, because if they can't, I believe I can give them the tools so that they can. Okay. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's kind of like um, vetting them out isn't quite what I'm looking for. But yeah, it's it's not about stopping them from joining the campaign. It's just you know, to it's, see it's, what tools they might need before they yeah, come it's, in. Yeah, okay. to get an idea to see, exactly, it's to see where their strengths and weaknesses are. And if they have strengths, you know, play into those things. And if they have weaknesses, give them new tools if you if you can to help assist them with that. And give them objectives, role-playing objectives, like, you know, you, you know whatever it is. 
give yeah. them give them some kind of tool to mitigate where their weaknesses are. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's actually yeah, you're right. That's actually a really good idea, even for larger parties to do that. I don't do that, but I might start and doing that. <laughs> I, I call it putting boots on the ground in the world, you know? Yeah. I want to see the player put their boots on the ground in the world and I want to see them I want to know how they're going to role play and what if they've got a voice. They they might want to play different voices during that forty five minute sort of game and find a voice. Yeah. So that when they come in, they've got something. Yeah. Rather than spending two or three weeks, three or four sessions, figuring out what their character's voice is going to be. Yeah. Because um, if you and if you work with them with that first session and it's just one on one, you can give them that direct feedback and you can help them find that voice. Yeah. Um, and then they I go also, into the campaign, I think, a little more confident. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. great. So, what yeah. do you what do you do now? Okay, so you're you're you've got one player, and let's yeah. say they choose rogue. How do you help with like the other abilities that they might be lacking if they if they're well, built out as a rogue? Right, right. Well, the obvious thing is to not put them in an adventure that involves fucking melee combat. Okay, you know. That's that's you, instead you you have a, a story because this is the great thing you can um, I, I did this with uh, Barry's character Milford Brixton actually there's a video of it on my YouTube channel um, where he basically is given a mission to go and steal some shit he does some he role plays out all the stuff that in a bigger campaign would be compressed to a sort of ten minute five minute discussion. Right. where he, he has to break into a theater, he has to steal a costume. Um, and instead of like him just saying, okay, can I roll to break in and steal this costume or something like that, we role played it out. He goes up to the side of the theater, he walks in the door, he scouts it out. I describe every person in the theater and he, he, he improvises his way in there. He convinces somebody that he's somebody else. He pretends to be something that he's not. Um, and he steals this costume and um, you know, gets away with it. And it, this took like an hour to do that as opposed to a five, 10 minute scene that would have been in a, in a bigger campaign with a bigger group. Yeah. So you can expand everything. You can stretch those out. Yeah. yeah. You can stretch them out and they can be really tense because yeah, you don't have any, any backup, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but be the thing to remember when you've got one player and it's true, even if you've got more players is you have to have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. for when it all goes to poo for the right. players, right? right? There's got to be, you've got to have a last stop resort deus ex machina if you have to. Um, you don't want to use it. You rarely use it. And sometimes you just choose not to use it because the player just did something really fucking stupid, yeah. right? Sometimes players do things that are just, why did you do that? That I, I sent you every possible signal to not do this and you chose to do it anyway. <laughs> I can't help you, you know? Yeah. Um, but at other times when it's really not their fault, sometimes the dice go badly. Sometimes um, they make mistakes that aren't really mistakes that you could, you could sometimes take responsibility for some of the mistakes they make because sometimes you didn't telegraph to them right. how dangerous the situation was. So it's worth having that deus ex machina to give them an, an out if you have to. Now, I have to say I hardly ever actually have to use those types of things, but... Um, yeah. Okay. So hopefully so, that answers your question. Oh, yeah. And trust me, I, I'm going to come up with more of them <laughs> until That's I point. exhaust you of all this information. But, um, okay, so now, so you cater your um, adventures to 
the character the player has built. Um, right. But again, going back to the rogue scenario, I mean, at some point yeah. there's going to be combat. Do you yeah. somehow alter well, the combat in there, such a does, way? Does there have to be? Does there have to be combat? Really? Well, does I don't there? know. I guess. I mean, some people like it, right? Every once some in people, a while. Sure, sure. But I mean, you can play uh, something, something. Armonite says Avery. <laughs> right. Uh, he's referring to that scene I told you about where the, the they the whole group except for the druid got knocked out like twice, and the druid oh. was running around feeding everybody good berries. Oh no! And I was like. But but that being said, I mean, I said to Avery as well, every now and again, I'm going to run an actually deadly encounter because mm. overall the campaign needs to have stakes. Yeah. There have to be stakes or it means nothing. Um, so, yes, we're going to have fun doing stuff as we go along, but every now and again there's like a checkpoint where you're going to have to fight your way through to get to the next level or to, to you know. Otherwise, you don't get any sense of accomplishment out of it. You, you can you start relying on me just handing you shit all the time. Yeah, no, you know? I and agree. That, yeah. It's boring. Yeah. Boring for you and it's boring for me. Um, but back to your question, um, combat. Yeah. So well, this ties what if your into player the wants combat, I guess, is what I'm saying. Run the combat game yeah. if that's what they want. You've got to read the, read the player, you know. Okay. I mean, I know my friends who, who who I do this with, so I know what they like. Mm -hmm. So running games for them is, and you and you play. I, I don't know. I've played a lot of games with the same people, so you get to see how they react to different games. And oftentimes they come to you. I've got a character I want to play, um, and so you get a gist of who that character is. So part of it is you understanding the character. Yeah. at least as much as they're understanding the character as well. You need to know as much about that character as they do. And, and, that is, and that is my preference, is to understand the player's characters as much as the players do, the way a director understands the characters in a film. Um, so that you, 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 know, you, you need to know what the fuck is going on and what all the influences are in the story, if you yeah. can. It's really hard with a bigger D&D &D group because everyone goes away and they spend the whole week thinking about their characters and you've got all these other things you've got to do and then you come back to the game and they've all had a week to think about shit and you don't really have time to take on board everything that they've thought about necessarily, which right. that's hard. But um, your first question about the rogue, for example, yeah. you say how do you run a game for a single rogue? Well, again, it's, it's about you're running a game for a character and so the game is about that character, and characters are not stat blocks. They're not inventories. You know, it's not an inventory or a stat block. It's not a list of traits. It's a character. It's about relationships. Yeah. Their relationships with the world and with NPCs. That's what a character basically is, you know, along with some flaws and, more importantly than anything, objectives. What are their objectives? And those objectives are going to depend on their relationships and so on. Yeah. So that's what a character is. And once you know that, you're creating a, a story for that character. It's going to be about the NPCs that are important to that character and formative to that character. Yeah. It sounds like D&D &D might, well, and I'm sure you're probably going to say yes to this, but it sounds like D&D &D might not be the best uh rule set to use for one-on-one -on -one gaming because it is so it's, mechanics it, yeah, heavy for sure that's true yeah. but then again most people know how to play D, &D so you right. start with it that's right. how it's gonna be yeah i mean i do suggest there are better games for, for role playing and D, D was built as a war gaming system originally and then got adapted to role playing and that's mm -hmm. how it came into it but yeah 
So now you've kind of touched on this, but now how do you or how have you uh, dealt with if the character dies and it's a single player game? How how do you right. how have you dealt with that? Okay, so I had a, a session. Funnily enough, this okay Barry back to Barry. He had been playing a character named Vincent for seven years in my oh. vampire game, right? Wow. And we'd been playing one on one. For most of that time we did play with one or two other players at different times but for the vast majority of that seven odd years we'd been playing with vincent um he it was him and i and we'd been running one-on-one -on -one stories for him and then uh so his character fell in love with the gangrel primogen counselor of chicago who was this um ancient um african woman vampire called inyunga and they, they'd fallen in love and they had this long relationship. But for whatever reason, he'd been banished from Chicago by the prince, Prince Loden, um, had banished him on pain of blood hunt. So he oh. was told to fuck off, basically, do not come back. The thing about blood hunts is they cannot be called off because some vampires not, might not hear about it being called off. So once it's called, it's on. Yeah. So he was called, they called a blood hunt on him in Chicago for, for whatever reason. Now, he went to all the elders that he knew in his uh, his coterie and his order and so on, and they all said, don't go back to Chicago. There's a blood hunt. They'll kill you. Um, but, of course, he was in love with Inyanga, and I said to him, and I tried in every possible way to telegraph to Barry, if you go back to Chicago, you will die. There is a blood <laughs> hunt. You will die. Okay. And he was like, fuck it. I'm, he, he wanted to go back and see Inyanga because they were in love. So he went back to Chicago and the prince found out about this, tried to blow up his car first. That didn't work. And so the next thing in younger, he, he discovered that Inyanga had been staked. So in Vampire Masquerade, in Vampire the Masquerade, that means you're immobilized. You can't move. You're paralyzed essentially with the stake through your heart. Okay. So she'd been staked and she'd been taken to the rooftop of the Sears Tower to wait for the sunlight to come up. Oh, wow. Right? So she was in dire straits. Yeah. Um, basically, this was the execution style that Lo Prince Loden uses quite frequently for anybody he doesn't like. Um, he's a complete dictator and often often called quite a wanker, actually. So <laughs> not many people like Prince Loden. So Barry decides, okay, well, he's going to go up there and get her. So he turns into a bat because he's a gangrel. He flies up the side of the Sears Tower. He gets to the top and he sees her staked on the rooftop of, of the Sears Tower. Now, his character is quite old and quite powerful at this point because we've been playing for seven years and he started during the Middle Ages. So he was a knight originally, a crusader. And by this time, he was quite powerful, he, um, not important. So he turns back into a vampire from a bat on the roof, just as this gunship comes flying up over the side of the tower. And so there's a helicopter with a chain gunner oh. in the side of the helicopter. Oh, and it starts shooting at him. So it's that scene in Matrix, you know, all the yeah. bullets of... That's exactly what shit. I started thinking of. Right. It's, and this was before Matrix. Um, so he's running <laughs> across it. the rooftop towards her to go and grab her. The bullets are hitting him. He puts on his skin of marble, which is a power that he has. So there's chunks of marble flying off him as the bullets are striking him. And he's running across the rain in the rooftop, picks up and younger, shields her body with his own body. He's taking massive amounts of damage because these bullets are in sendry rounds. They're on fire, so they burn vampires. So they do aggravated damage, not just normal Jeez. damage, which he could normally heal. And he's getting pounded. And he jumps off, carrying her body. 
and he's used up all his blood pools. So, because vampires very much about economy, use the economy of your blood. You're using blood to do stuff, and so you need blood to do stuff. Uh, so he's getting very low on his blood pool at this point. He needs to feed her blood so that she can survive, and he needs to be able to survive the fall too. As he goes down, he transfer, transforms into into mist. I think he did, and in any case, he winds up just surviving in getting into the sewers um, with her with her corpse. Basically, she's still physically alive; like she's still there. Mm-hmm. He pulls out the stake, and then he falls into torpor. Torpor is like when you're unconscious in in D and D, basically. Wow. Uh, so he's in torpor, and sadly. The thing about it was Prince Loden, because um, I'm running this from a module. This is a the Chicago by Night game book. It's like this fucking thick. It's like the Bible. <laughs> um, and he, Prince Loden, has actually got control of one of the Nosferatu clan. Nosferatu vampires tend to live in the sewers, and he has a traitor amongst the Nosferatu working for the prince, and so. He assassinated him. He found him and killed him. That's he, he sent. He sent his Nosferatu um, lackey to yeah. to find and kill him, and he died. Now we played this on a stormy night on a Friday the thirteenth, and it was uh, I believe it was Halloween as well. Jeez. So it was a huge confluence of weird shit going on at the time. And Barry's character, who he played for seven years, died. He fucking cried, oh. and. I said to him, I'll tell you what, I, I, I will redline this game. It was like a one-off thing. I can redline it, you know, and he was like, he asked me about it. We thought about it. He thought about it. I said, okay, well, just don't decide right now. If you want to redline it, we can go back. I mean, it's only you and me. It's not like anybody else cares. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can easily redline this. And he manned the fuck up. And yeah. he said, no, he's dead. Wow. And that's that's that was good shit, man. That's that was the shit I'm talking about. Um, I mean, if I you're gonna another... go out, you know, you go out like that instead of like bring him back to life, and then maybe you accidentally go out, you know, by right. an accidental True. axe to the yeah, head. Exactly, <laughs> and that's that's the thing I put in my vampire adverts too. Is like um, the best thing you can hope for is a good death. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the worst thing you can hope for is true power and the hierarchy of the damned. Wow. That's, (laughs) oh man, such a good story. That is great. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like, because my question was, how do you deal with death? And Mm. it sounds like you deal with death by talking with your character and letting them decide and, or possibly like you might retcon it somehow. Well, yeah. I mean, I've done that. I have occasionally just killed off characters. There's been mm-hmm. times when that's happened. Um, uh, jo- Jordan, who, who was in chat earlier, I don't know if he's still there, but Jordan uh, had a character, Alexis, who died in the sewers when a, the cult of Yertris sent a nurtured one of Yertris into the group in the middle of the sewers. And he ex- always happens in the sewers, doesn't it? So that's weird. <laughs> so they, they exploded and, and it killed him. And sadly, Jordan, nor none of the other players realized at the time that he had a trait that would have saved his life and dropped him to one hit point instead of dying. But we didn't realize that till three weeks later. So he's dead. So he's had another character since then. Um, I had another situation with someone going across a rope, falling. We're talking about that with making checks, mm-hmm. you know, slipping off the rope, making a and, and failing forward, as Matt Colville says. Um, so you, you fail the first check. You make another check, but the stakes are now higher. 
Yeah. And if you fail that check, you possibly make a third check, but now the stakes are really fucking high. And I like yeah. to use the rule of three. It's a storytelling rule. So the three checks, and if you fuck up three times, That's, it's over, Red yeah. Rover. The, you know, the world you, is you telling fall. you something. <laughs> right. The world's telling And I, I have learned to trust the dice, you know, as a player and as a DM. I rarely fudge the dice. Occasionally. Very mm -hmm. rarely. And you try very, very hard not to. And it's not often that I will do that. And I will never admit it. <laughs> but it, I think it's really worthwhile talking to the player and saying, okay, at this point, you should be dead. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, the, 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 there's things that, that went wrong, things I could have done better. I could have run the situation in a different way that might, maybe it wasn't fair. Like, for example, the Armonite situation. Um, Maybe that wasn't a fair encounter. It, it certainly wasn't a fair encounter, but you guys survived it. They survived. Yeah. And the fact that they survived, I mean, they have a fucking story to tell now, a real, a good story that they yeah. can tell. If they died, well, that would have been a good story too. But if they just walked all over it, no, it would just be another D&D game. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. You know? But give the players agency about whether or not their characters die inside, and, and when you can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And... But at the same time, make sure that they realize that if they say, yeah, I, I want to stay alive, that you think they're a big pussy. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so just kidding. what about like, okay, so I'm now going to touch on the comments I got on Facebook because I always go mm. out to the internet and like I said, start conversations and, and do a little research before these. So um, I wanted to find out from the internet uh, what they do for one-on-one -on -one gaming to handle, like how do you prevent player death or to help that? Or how do you deal right. with it after the fact, right? Um, right? And it sounds like you really take a very reasonable approach to this and and do allow, you know, well, you communicate with your player look, to see like how they feel about it after the fact. It's, it's, not a, it's not like professional tennis where you're trying to beat each other. Right. We, we're coming together to, to tell build a story. A Story. Right. That's why we're here. Yeah. We we want to exploit the story. Yeah. I don't want the story to be over because right. that ruins my fun. And if it ruins your fun and it ruins my fun, then why the fuck are we doing it? Yeah. Just why do the that? The <laughs> book says we need to play these rules. That's what are we? Are we five? Are we stupid? Do we do we not have our own critical thinking and agency? Like yeah. honestly, I, I don't understand that kind of thinking. It's like we're here to tell a story. And, and that's what I think fun. people need to hear is, you know, right. I think especially if they've never done it before, then they don't they don't know that they can go step outside the rules and that it right. doesn't like you said, it doesn't have to be DM versus player. It's DM right. and player together You're collaborating. Yeah, You're collaborating and the players collaborate with you and you're collaborating with them. I really fucking object to this adversarial kind of role playing. I mean, you get I do get players from time to time who are just on your case and yeah. it's like relax and play your character and trust me i'm yeah. not gonna kill you unless you do something really stupid trust me to tell a story and yeah. and engage in the story because then you might get more out of it yeah you know that's 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 my brand sorry <laughs> that's okay <laughs> I'm very passionate about this. No, shit. this is great because I mean, I feel like sometimes my opinions are very, you know, blah vanilla. So you, we need you just to say this stuff. <laughs> but, but okay, okay. So uh, nine times out of ten, what I heard from people, how they deal with mm. this as DMs, is mm. they yep. 
they buff up their PC. So their PC yeah. is, you know, very yeah. overpowered. Or and they... it doesn't matter if they're overpowered because it doesn't matter about fairness doesn't count anymore. There's only one player. So they right. can play Superman, you know. Who cares? I don't care. Play right. Superman. Yeah. Um, or on. they nerf the enemies. I mean, same right. concept, right? Yeah, um, same thing. They both... will... Oh, excuse me. They will allow players to play multiple PCs. Yep. Have you done this? Have you have yep. you done that? Okay. Yeah, I mean, t to be honest, I feel like role playing might be hard if you're doing that. To, yeah, to be honest, I don't like it when players play more than one character because they're not focused on one character. Right. You know, I mean, if they some players are good at this, not many, but some are, and the ones that are tend to be people that also are DMs because DMs have to do it all the time. Right. Right. You know, so if you can play more than one character, maybe you should be a DM. Um. You know that's that's a good way to go if you can if you if you're good at that, yeah. So yeah. playing multiple characters, magic items is a good way. Okay, you what do you mean like giving them additional magic items or okay? Yeah, I, I love giving low level characters powerful magic items, artifacts and shit like that. They always come with a price, but right. the price is the story, and that's not really a price at all. Yeah, that's a great no, that's, idea. You give them something really powerful that's world changing eventually. Uh, yeah. Not now, but eventually it will be world changing. And then, you know, then, then they're connected to the world story in a deep, meaningful way as central characters, especially if it's DD, because DD's got this kind of sense of destiny about it, you know, because it's high fantasy. Yeah. So it's, there's fate and destiny coming to that. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, 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 no. I, you're you're laying down all the wisdom. I'm the one asking questions. That's all. <laughs> okay. So, other I'm thing I heard yeah. was um, the D, like you said, the DM playing an mm. NPC. So it's almost like you're DMing, but now you're also a player with them. Do you? Yeah, do yeah, absolutely. Okay. That absolutely do that. That's that's a great way of doing it. I mean, if you look at the, the I mean, uh, some of the new modules in D and D, I. I can't think of any of them except for uh, Dragonlance because I've been running that recently, but it comes with sidekicks, mm -hmm. right? They introduced the idea of sidekicks. Now, to be honest, I hate the term sidekicks. It makes them sound diminutive. It makes yeah. them sound inferior. The Robin to no. Batman. Yeah. Right. They don't have to be sidekicks. They can be companions mm -hmm. to the player characters. Um, they can be as good as, if not sometimes in some cases, better than the players. Um, you don't want to overstretch yourself like that because that, that just makes you you're playing a dm pc which people object to and you start sort of taking the spotlight off the players by running around beating up all the bad guys instead of the players doing that and if it's only one player that's you yeah. now you're <laughs> masturbating so you got to be careful that it's not you that's being the wanker in that case yeah. so yeah but playing having those sidekick options is great for that and that's that's how you can approach that absolutely yeah cool all right, so here's a couple other ideas that were I felt like mm. unique to the to the crowd. Mm. Um, so cool. Renata on Facebook said that she gives her players extra turns. Um, so extra I guess turns, what she meant right? by that meaning, like if you're following the D and D mechanics mm. and they only get one right. attack, um, right. I'm interpreting that as like, oh, they can have three attacks now or something right. like that. They get three actions. Right. Um, what about what do you think about something like that? Um, I think that if you're playing D and D, you should stick to the rules, kind of, somewhat. I mean, I just said not to do that. Yeah. So I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I'll tell you curious. what. I, yeah. I guess what I really think is, I, I, I want it to be cinematic. 
I want it to be have pace. Mm-hmm. I want there to be action and pace. I don't want it to be boring. I don't want to be sitting around looking up fucking rules because that's the most boring thing you can possibly do during yeah. a game. Um, and the, the, and this is why I like Vampire because I don't have to worry about turns. I can say, what do you do? What do you do? I can cut to any person that I want anytime I want based on what they're doing. Like if you're doing something that requires you to be spending time describing your shit, then I'm going to focus on you for a a minute. But in the middle of your action, when you get to the height of the drama of your action on your turn, I'm going to switch to the next most dramatic thing. I'm going to go where the drama is. I don't care about the turns. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what's important. And so abandoning turns might be a better way of going about it. I know that with a, one of my D&D games we were streaming on uh, Vangate Chronicles, we had a huge battle scene. And I said to the players, I'm going to ignore initiative. We're just going to go where the action is. Mm-hmm. And you, you've got an intuitive feeling as the DM as to which player has had the least amount of time. Mm-hmm. So you, you make sure that you, you try and make sure that everyone's getting a reasonable amount of time that's relatively equitable amongst them. You can never be accurate because you're making it up. Right. But as long as it feels equitable and you can ask them, of course, so you can communicate and expect them to communicate back to you. If they, if they, if they, if they trust you and you trust them, then that relationship, the chemistry between you is going to be a big part of making it fair and making it feel uh, dramatic and pacey, you know, but yeah. the pace is the most important thing in, in action scenes, I think. Yeah. I think if you, if you slow it down, if you spend a minute looking away, figuring shit out, you see, and when you're running D and D especially when you're running it rules as written and it's like, a cause I, I work for clients, you know, you, they're sort of expected to follow these conventions. So you do. Yeah. And, but, but it is slower and it doesn't, it's not necessarily as good dramatically. Um, yeah yeah seems like you need to kind of homebrew i'll have to think about that more about kind of how to home maybe homebrew some rule to because if they're fighting against like well i guess never mind i'm gonna back myself up into things where i'm like better ways of mitigating it than than turns i think that keeping turns is a fairly important part of the D &D mechanic but yeah hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Upright Man says, yes, I do a lot of cutscenes too. What do you mean by cutscenes in that respect, Upright Man? Because, um, I mean, when I think of cutscenes, I'm thinking of video game cutscenes where we cut away to some sort of story, an actual video in the, as opposed to the, 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 the bang, bang, fighty, yeah. fighty, jumpy, jumpy stuff. Um, but anyway, if you can clarify that, that would be cool. Okay, um, so another interesting comment that I got while we're waiting for Upright Man is, um, yeah. so I'm hopefully pronouncing it correctly, Naffer um, said that they do, re like, almost like a video game, they do respawn beacons in town. So if the character dies, they will appear in the nearest town, but without all their things. They've lost right, all, so the they gold, all the gold. Yeah. So I don't like that You don't all. like that? I okay. think that's fucking awful, but that's because just that my throws thing. off the role. Unless there's some it, reason, it totally in world. destroys. Yeah, my verisimilitude is blown to smithereens immediately. Yeah. You know, I can't believe in that story now. Yeah, it um, almost sounds like yeah, like I said, like a video game, like maybe yeah. uh, um, Grand Theft Auto kind of. <laughs> I would <laughs> maybe do that if there was some kind of mechanic for it. Actually, um, now okay, I, I have got a, a scenario for that. Um, I've got a. 
a, a science fiction universe I've been working on for more than 10 years now. And the opening game I want to run for it is where you're playing a group of clones, right? And you're clones on a spaceship. You wake up, you don't know who the fuck you are, and you start downloading all this data. And then you realize that you're on a mission and you've got to go and infiltrate this, this base. Uh -huh. So you go out and you go and infiltrate this base. Now, if you die, the thing is your character... Um, you 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 do these things called Vita Matrix burns, where you are basically recording everything that you know that that's in your memory and sending it to the hive mind in the computer on the spaceship. Okay. Um, and that basically is your spawn point. So if you die, you get to you get a new clone, and that new clone can either be in a completely new blank clone or it can be a respawned version of your previous clone's Vita Matrix burn. But mm. there's a save point. So you and the thing about this is that clones like this they never actually experience failure because they never remember failure because every time they fail they die and there's always the time between their last mm, burn and yeah. their death so they never experience failure so when they actually do experience failure it's their very first experience of it which is Interesting. terrifying I so you can like make it work but idea. i wouldn't do it in D, &D unless yeah. it was some lich thing or some high magic shit i don't know I don't know. I'm sure there's a way of doing it. I mean, if you if you put your mind to it, you could make it work. But right, I'm sure. Off off the bat, it sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> I'd rather play World of Warcraft. I mean, if I'm going to do that. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Let's see. It sounds like Upright okay. Man has gotten back to us. No, we get to okay. about to roll the disarm the trap. Yeah. And it's instead yes, of yes, while okay, he does that, what are you doing? Yes, yes, exactly. What are you, exactly when somebody's rolling a dice, you go to the next person, you come back to them, you keep the pace going. Yes, you don't don't let it drop. You got you've got the ball. You got to keep it bouncing. Yeah, yeah, and I'll do that sometimes at my table if someone's like, "Oh, I don't know," or I'm still looking for this thing. I'm like, "Okay, well, I'll come back to you. You already know what you're gonna do. You know, yeah." Yeah. So. Yeah, and that dramatic timing, switching at critical moments, exactly, right? Leaving them hanging where you, they found out something really important or something, something's just happened. You've just been whatever it is, those critical moments moving on and then coming back to them, let them hang for a minute while they, while they process how <laughs> fucked they are. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so one last one that I thought was really interesting, also from Naffer, and again, this might, this kind of sounds like it ties in with your clone thing, is uh, they call it the heritage system, where basically if they're, let's say we go back to my rogue character, um, yeah. as the DM, they would say, okay, well, do you have, you know, any sons or daughters that you've been like training them to do this kind of stuff uh, and maybe build it into the backstory that if you fall then your son or daughter will show up to avenge you kind of thing. So now yeah. you as the player are still playing the story with someone who's tied to the, the, the. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I, to address that, we'll go back to the story about Vincent and his mm -hmm. death on the roof of the Sears tower, because that death had so much impact to the, because after that, after that, that happened, I brought in some new players with Barry mm -hmm. and his character death and one of those players had played a long time previously so, so she when she came back it it kind of brought the group back together in a way and then knowing that vincent had died and how he had died and who had killed him and for what reasons created all this impetus 
for them to basically try and call a conclave against Prince Loden. And so that became a key turning point in the whole story. The character death, when a character dies, you can make that a super important turning point in the story. That's what it should be, mm -hmm. I think. Having characters just die randomly because Goblin 4 killed them with a dagger from the backstab by accident because they rolled a natural 20, you know, that's not fun. But when you turn, it's, these are player characters. They they have to be, people are playing these characters. They need to be important. They need to yeah. be more than just little stat blocks that are being driven around. That are replaceable. Replaceable, exactly. Yeah. Every one of them should be unique. I, I don't like the idea of people making clones of their own characters. I mean, unless the game is specifically about clones, and obviously that's different. But yeah. if you, you just, come on, really? You're just going to play <laughs> the same character over and over again? I mean, okay. I mean, you may be really good at playing that type of character. And the thing is, you could make a fighter champion orc five times in a row, but they might never be the same. They might be very, very different. Even if they've got all the same skills and equipment, they could still be very, very different characters. Yeah. And it's up to you to make them different um, and finding ways to make them different. That's about their relationships and their relationship to the world, the location, the people around them, you know, the other members of the party and so on. That's what do they want? What are their objectives, their ethics? that's what's important. That's what you got to get your head around. Yeah, I think that's where, and I don't know if Upright Man is commenting on, on this. He said paranoia, and I'm wondering paranoia. if he's meaning right. like people are so that's afraid. A, it's a game. Oh, it's a game. a game called okay. Paranoia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've it's, never played um, it. Uh, it's, I haven't actually played it, but I've heard some really fucking funny stories about Paranoia. <laughs> well, now I'm going to have to look into it's, it. Yeah. Okay, I thought he was saying like people are so afraid to do this because the character's going to die and we're, they come up with all these crazy ways to prevent the characters from dying. But, um, okay. Well, yeah, that was, you answered a lot of, I mean, I feel definitely more confident now that I could, that right. I could DM this, um, right. And have some, some tools. Uh, and, and I've had a couple of people ask me to do it and I'm kind of like, Ooh, that feels like a lot of work. The most the thing you've <laughs> got to do, the real key, I think, to, to any game, but also most especially one-on-one -on -one games, is you have to have some really strong NPCs that you can play. Yeah. And okay. you have to be able to role play them to some to, to much greater extent than you would role play Orc 4, you know? Yeah. You, they're not just tavern keepers or shopkeepers or quest givers. They're going to be the friends of the player characters. They're going to have conversations about cake and ice cream and whatever the fuck mundane <laughs> shit that they talk about. That's where it's at. You've got to be prepared to get really mundane. And, and if you don't know how to do that and make it fun, watch Japanese horror films. Okay. Because they have this incredible ability to have this really low-key kind of plot and then that makes sense yes you, you lull them into this false sense of security with the slow meandering story and then yeah you come in from left field with something completely unexpected um 
Upright Man says, the game is about having reasons to kill your fellow party members. And if you don't, you'll die. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, save everyone's life using the psionic powers that you will be killed for having. And don't forget to brush your teeth or the party hygiene officer might kill you. Right. That's That sounds like paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to play it sometime. Okay, so uh, with all that conversation around uh, one-on-one gaming, I thought we could move on to the weekly world building. Um, and I thought, oh, I still have it in my notes as build a skill challenge, but that's not what we're doing. Um, I thought, I had seen a comment, and I wanted to try this out a few ways. Uh, hmm. Someone had said what they do if the on a one-on-one gaming, if the character dies, then the session now or the the campaign now pivots to a story where they are i don't know in the underworld or whatever you, you know the afterlife and that right. there's um story about them retrieving their soul you know i don't know beseeching a right. god to bring them back to life i mean there's various right. different ways that you could do this and i thought yeah. that's that's great because you can stretch that out as long as you Absolutely. need to as well. <laughs> well, I'm about to do this exact thing, oddly enough. Um, the Vain Gate Chronicles is coming back in a couple of weeks, and they've been away for a couple of months now. But early on, earlier on in that campaign, um, Milford Brixton, Barry's character, um, he he died. He fell through a portal into the Shadowfell, and he was lost. And so he had to change characters because Milford Brixton was essentially dead at that point. So our next, our opening campaign, our return to that campaign is going to be him in the Shadowfell dealing with the fact that he's kind of technically dead. And he's going to get picked up by some of the Raven Queen's minions and brought to the Fortress of Memories, given a mission and returned to Sadariel um, under the, you know, under the auspices and under the power of the Raven Queen herself. Uh -huh. So... Yeah, so essentially resurrecting that character, but but with a curse. Mm -hmm. so, so that's kind of the plan there, yeah. I like that. So, yeah, like you said, there's kind of a, a price for booms yeah. and things like that. And it will alter his subclass too because he's a rogue and he's about to change from, uh, I think, assassin to phantom rogue. Oh, change him. that He's makes completely sense. Change his character class. I love it when it ties, when that, that kind of stuff ties into their character and their... yeah. Mechanics. Okay, so here's what I was thinking of. If mm -hmm. we employ this PC death journey to revivif revivification, Revivific. I can say that. Yeah. Um, if you, I feel like this journey could be very different depending on what god you use. Right. Um, so For I sure. thought I would throw out a couple and see. I want to see how you would do this. I have some ideas. But um, so let's say that the PC dies and mm. they're on a journey. They've been called or this journey is somehow tied to a lawful good deity. I picked Elmater. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but this god is all about endurance, martyrdom, okay. uh, right. perseverance suffering so how would you craft that journey for the pc so that they can be brought back to life well i think you've just outlined the theme of this of the story you know uh -huh. the theme is you know kind of usually an examination of some kind of central question so it's going to be like can they survive can they endure 
um, that type of stuff. So you're going to throw challenges at them and tests at them and so on that that are going to be themed around the gods' um, domain, if you like. And yeah. that's I, I guess that's fairly self-evident. Yeah. Um, is there a kind of more you want a specific aspect to that you want to? I don't know. I guess because I mean I don't know. I'm I, I don't have all the knowledge on all the deities. I just kind of picked like yeah, the the, I'm not the even key points. With that particular deity, to be honest. Right. But, no, I'm um, not either. But I mean, considering their lawful good, um, right. yeah, it's almost like well, they this, would. This... this deity would want to see the character. Like, can they endure the martyrdom? I don't know. It's like what would be the journey would be almost like here's here's what I would do. I feel like I would almost craft a journey. <laughs> this is going to sound awful, but craft a journey where it almost feels like an unwinnable situation. Like right. whatever right. the whatever the situation is, they will yeah. be tapped out of all of their spells. They will yeah. think that they are down to like 1 HP. They will have used all their things hmm. and and maybe there will be like some right something some clue i can give them that if they were to just like reach out to this god you know like i don't know i don't know exactly how i would do right. it because I mean, what if they figured that out in the first session i don't know right well, i think i mean intention is is got to be a big part of it i think i mean right a lot of a lot of players go That's in true. there and they're like they, they they will spend all their spell slots and they'll do all the things and they'll drink all the potions and they'll use up all their resources and what have you but they really just don't give a shit they're You're they're right. just power it's i i really i guess i understand it and i guess there's a part of me that does it too to be honest if i'm honest with myself this idea of using role playing as a power trip you know it's a you're 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 experiencing it's a power fantasy experiencing what it is to be powerful and okay that's cool but at the end of the day when you watch movies and you read books and you you, you tell stories and then watch plays the, the interesting thing drama is conflict conflict yeah. is obstacles we we are not interested in watching characters endlessly succeed that's actually fucking tedious nobody cares you know oh, okay he wins everything well big deal but when we see you know uh neo struggle against the matrix against agent smith when we see characters struggle against themselves and their inner demons that's interesting yeah that's where it's at so it's i guess finding what your character's inner demons are and ex and letting the dm trusting the dm mm -hmm. to externalize them for you yeah yeah I but like you kind of have to figure out what they are and you you kind of need to communicate with the dm to do yeah. that too because if you don't then it's just another dnd game that's true yeah, you're right. I like that. Yeah, it definitely needs to be intentional. Um, it can't just be like, oh, no, I'm all out of stuff. Hey, look, I'm alive. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> it's about self-sacrifice. Maybe that's the thing. Lawful good, self-sacrifice, martyr, that kind of makes sense. Maybe if they're willing to give up some kind of power they have or something. Give up their lives. If they're prepared yeah. to die, you know, I mean, kind of Moses is not, who was it? Abraham, that dude that was prepared to sacrifice his, his baby yeah god came along and said kill your baby and he was like yeah because i believe in god i'm gonna kill my baby and god went no, no 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 i was just kidding you know you could do you could do that yeah oh my what a fucking crazy story but anyway it is okay okay moving on to the next ditty so let's say it's a 
I know. Well, you know, it's it's going to happen at some point. Um, Neutral, neutral, like very neutral. True uh, neutral. True neutral deity. Um, Something. uh, So this. Oh. I wrote down that it was a neutral deity, but I forgot to write down the name of the deity. But I'm sure there's many true neutral deities in there. But this one that I had picked was all about knowledge invention and also even bardic i was reading about this one and it said something like any time in the world that a bard creates a new song there's like a percentage chance that this deity is in the audience like right that was really cool so i thought it would be kind of interesting if that were a deity how would you craft this you know journey to revivification oh i said it right this time um with knowledge, like if if they're all about knowledge or invention or even songs, poetry, stories, something like on the intellectual level. Um, And you know, the reason why I also picked these deities, um, I know you can probably see the list, but I'm going to get through them, is Mm -hmm. trying to find different aspects of, you know, the character. If they're more about like physical challenges versus, you know, figuring Mm -hmm. out puzzles versus mm. um you know yeah, you don't throw a barbarian into the intellectual right <laughs> law story i mean you could you could i mean the right player would work that and this is the thing this is another issue i have with dnd sorry guys i'm sorry i'm bashing on dnd no, but fine. you start off with a character class i mean some people multi-class okay fair enough but you start off with this character class and you get better and better and better at this thing but you don't change. Like, you don't really change meaningfully. Like, you, you you, don't... I mean, a character that goes from being a peasant to being a wizard has a character arc. That's interesting. A character that goes from being a fighter to being a scholar has a character arc. A scholar that has to fight because they're forced into it, that's interesting. That's a character arc. But DD yeah. has none of that. It's like, you're this thing. You're just going to keep being this thing. You're never going to stop being this thing. Just keep going at it. And if you multi-class, okay, now you're these things. Like you're still going in this direction. There's never, uh, you know, the DM really has to smack you to get you off that track to make you have an arc. Or if you're a good player, you're going to bring that to it. And I'm not saying you can't have a character arc as a player in D&D. You absolutely can. Mm-hmm. Um, but the system does not encourage it. The system is not built for it. Right. And thus, the, I mean, the system, again, is a war game system. That's pretty much what it's for ultimately battle right but anyway i digress (laughs) okay so going back to i mean no i definitely agree with you sorry i don't want to cut you know that idea off because i feel like 5e um it's that square peg and circle hole or what have you where Mm. i feel like now they're trying to rewrap D D to be all the things but you yeah, really yeah, can't get yeah. it all to fit just right. Right. There's these right. little That's... open spaces. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. It's like, oh, we're gonna do Wild West D and D. We're gonna do science fiction D and D. We're gonna do vampire D and D. We're gonna do whatever. But in the end of the day, it's they they keep saying they keep telling us you know to our faces that it, this is the world's greatest role playing game, but it's the McDonald's of role playing games. It's just the most well known role playing game. It's right. it's the most popular role-playing game is it the world's greatest role-playing game really i don't think it is depends on your preferences right so okay going back to neutral true neutral deity so Mm. 
something with knowledge or invention or even bardic, um, mm. I had been thinking of like it, like a invest some kind of an investigation challenge or like even you know it would be great to tap into someone's role playing if they were really good at it you know and, and willing mm. to do it is to like you need to find the one true song or something like that and send them on this journey i don't know have you read wheel well, of time i i haven't actually i'm ashamed to oh, say i haven't man. read wheel of time i've watched the okay. the new tv series and i thought it was really good Good. Um, I have no idea whether it was reflective of the books or not, but it was a great uh, show. I mean, yeah, it's uh, definitely it an abbreviated was, version, but um, right, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad adaptation. Adapt we're going to digress, but anyway, um, there is a a group in the series of books where mm. they're always talking about like the the one song, or they're I, I'm not going to mm. call it out correctly, but um, so something like that would be interesting. And not even, I don't know, as a DM, I feel like you wouldn't even have to know what that one song is. I would almost leave it to the player to figure out, like, yeah, what well, is maybe, the one yeah, it, Where are you going to go with this? You can't actually express it in words because it's beyond words. Right. You know, that's that's um, kind of a Gnostic thing. Yeah. Um, I, I do have one thought regarding your sort of this this thing. I, I ran a trial for some characters a little while ago, the Frostmore Crows. They went to this island called Fractos, um, which was there was a they were performing a Goliath trial. That the the Goliath were like, you can't do this. This is for the Goliath, and they were like, well, you know what? We got called here, so we're doing it. So they <laughs> went and they they went through this trial, and a big part of it was um, every they, they had all these encounters kind of one after the other but each encounter was set in a part of this massive temple where there were these mosaics on the walls and so i would describe each mosaic during and before and after each encounter so they were and they were piecing together sections of the world's law uh. from these mosaics as they were going around this temple and finding out things about the world that they didn't know and that nobody else knew either yeah um, so that was kind of interesting. Then they came across this giant woman named Unglamore, who was the daughter of Memnor. Now, if you know anything about the giant gods, Memnor is the trickster god of the giants, right? Okay. So this is the daughter of Memnor. I made her up. She's new. I made her up, Unglamore. Mm -hmm. And she's standing in this chamber, this big tall chamber deep under the ground, chained up and gagged and frozen. And as they were going around the chamber, they were finding out about Unglamore and all of the crimes she had supposedly committed and why she was in this chamber and why she was chained up, right? So they had to figure out all that stuff whilst fighting their way around the chamber, learning all of this stuff. Then they decided they wanted to talk to her to find out wh what she actually, what her opinion was. So they woke her up uh -huh. and they took the gag off her. She still couldn't move. And then she told them her version of the events. So now they've got two different stories. They've got the walls story and they've got her version. And now they have to make up their mind whether to trust her or not, because she she's, you know, she's the daughter of the trickster God. And she's telling them that she repents for having betrayed the giants to the dragons at the end of the giant dragon war mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. Now they're in it, they've got this kind of ethical dilemma. Do we let her go or do we 
keep her here because obviously she's guilty for what she's done and she should stay where she is and she's probably dangerous. Yeah. And of course the players let her go. So that was much more interesting. But you know, that actually gives me a great idea. Cause just like you said, I mean, you could really tie something like that into this journey for revivification where mm, you have to make more. a moral, there's a moral dilemma choice. You're getting mm -hmm. mixed yep. signals and yep. if they're between two deities, I actually love this because I feel right. like whatever and deity they chose. it doesn't have chose, to be a right answer either. Right. There's just There's one answer or the other. One answer or the other. But whatever deity they choose to go with, like their revivification, their life might be completely different afterwards. Right. Who knows yeah, how that affected sure, yeah. them. I love that. Um, yeah. That's, that's the shit I'm talking about. That's it. <laughs> So, uh, so a couple others, um, I thought, uh, if you chose a deity that was, um, like a trickster, you were just talking about a trickster God, um, hmm. but doing some kind of a soul heist is what I called it. Um, making the adventure, you know, where you now have to, I don't know, sneak into this deity's realm or find a way into the deity's realm, you know, right. um, find out how to get to wherever your soul is how do you get your soul back you know um right. you could even recruit some dmpcs dnpcs um to right. get information and help i don't know soul For sure heist. yeah soul heist yeah well the, like Sidariel campaign the the, the, the all, pretty much all my dnd games except for Dragonlance, are set in this campaign world Sidariel. Mm -hmm. the super objective of that world this for the for for me is to um, bring the sacred feminine back into the world. That's my kind of main core theme. And in order to do that, the way I want to sort of externalize that idea is that the moon goddess was destroyed when the moon was destroyed. Her soul was sent to the abyss. And so the players through hook by hook or by crook have to get up to some, some point whereupon they can enter the abyss mm -hmm. and retreat avatar from the abyss and bring her back to the world so restoring sehenin moonbow back to the world is the sort of long-term final objective of the campaign world um and so yeah exactly going into the underworld finding her learning where she is getting the stuff that you're going to need to do that and so on and so forth mm -hmm. and that's after a whole bunch of adventures and 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 political shit and war and then moving up to sort of uh through the, through the plains and so on, and then eventually the abyss and so on until we get to that. Um, so yeah, but yeah. that's that's in that case they're trying to save a deity and and world right. simultaneously. So super high stakes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, always raise the stakes. Yeah. Keep rising. I could Keep even use stakes. that um, as you know the deity that brings you back to life is a deity that is that needs to be saved. So you save the deity, right. you save yourself. There you go. Ah, no, yeah. there you go. See, I like there's that. Okay. So, and then last but not least, I had to throw this in there. So what if it was a, an evil deity that right. was going to give you your life back um, again, right? What is, gotta, what is conflict anyway? is so yummy. Um, but so conflict this is drama, this, uh, particular one. I chose a chaotic evil, but let's. It could even be just a true evil. Uh, but this particular god was, uh, you know, all about bad luck, misfortune, random mischief, and accidents. And so I, I don't know. I was trying to figure out how to tie this one in because I thought it could be like some kind of a, 
when I say gambling challenge, I mean almost like you have to, it's almost like you need to out talk the devil or like, you know, have a, a more silver tongue. Is, is that, is that, the, that's not what it is. Golden tongue. Yeah. Tongue. I, I mean, look, the thing about evil and well, first of all, I mean, out of game, out, out of game. game, we're not in the game, but out of game. <laughs> um, I, I, I have this, and I like to play devil's advocate on this all the time, and it really fucking annoys people. But I, I just object to the term evil. I think it's a stupid word. I think we should drop it from the English language. I think that it should be thrown out because it is only useful for propaganda. The only time we ever yeah. use the real the word evil is when we are casting aspersions upon a group of people that we want to go to war with so we can steal their fucking oil. Yeah. That's when we use the word oil, oil evil. <laughs> it's really, I mean, did Hitler do it because the plane of elemental evil made him do it? No, Hitler had reasons. Yeah. Well, the reasons might have been stupid. They might have been malignant. They might have been psychotic. But those are all words that mean something. Right. Evil doesn't mean shit. It's right. not a word. Doesn't doesn't mean anything. Good, we could talk about that whether that means something or not. But it's totally relative, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is the conversation that your evil deity needs to have with your players. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then the players have to overcome what is their philosophical argument for it or against evil or whatever you know. But whether or not you believe in evil is actually irrelevant. It's a great conversation to have in game as a yeah, character. It in is. character. Yeah, because the villains never think that they're doing anything wrong. They always have like you said, not. reasons. They 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 are in the right. right. They always have reasons. Nobody nobody does malignant evil things because the evil came down and made them do it. Yeah. That's you know what you're doing when you say that? You are you are basically giving yourself an excuse. You're justifying your violence. Mm. So all you're doing, you're you're justifying their behavior. You're not taking any responsibilities. Society is not taking responsibility for having created that effect in the world. And so I think that the word evil doesn't help anybody. But there's plenty of other words that, that do work, malignant, yeah. psychotic, et cetera, et cetera, that, that actually describe something. So I, this is my, I, I'm going to make a video about why I object to evil yeah. and why I think alignment is stupid. <laughs> and why you might notice that writers and actors do not use alignments. If alignments were so fucking clever, actors and writers would be using it, but they're not. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Why is that? Because they're ultra simplistic and people are complex. Yeah. Okay. I've had my rant. Sorry. <laughs> All right. That, that was your uh, five-minute rant break right there. Um, not really five minutes. Oh. Well, anyway, so I guess, yeah, how would we do an evil deity challenge? Uh, well, let's stick away from the word evil then. Um, but, you know, right, right. Uh, I, I, some dark lord is going to give you your life back if right. you do a thing. I don't know. Yeah, there, we, you could take it well, all kinds of places. I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, maybe, maybe the. I mean, Hannibal Lecter is a great example of a character that you can examine and look at, especially in the TV series with um, uh, Mad Mad Michael, but with that guy, you know, the guy I'm talking about. That, <laughs> Do I? That, somebody in the audience does. I guarantee it. <laughs> Mads Mickelson. That's the guy I'm thinking mm -hmm. of. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because he. The thing is, he he wants to see you become everything that you can be to reach your full potential to realize that 
ethics are human constructs and that they're holding you back from being everything that you could be, that you could you could understand yourself um, in, in much deeper ways if you just let go of all of these constraints that are holding you back and allow yourself to be yourself, to, to, to recognize that you are a beast in a way, in, in the sense that you're an animal. Um, and as a beast, you have, you're repressing so much of yourself to be a human yeah. and to be ethical. Um, and so maybe this creature loves you and wants you to fully experience your life. Yeah. Out of love. Yeah. That is interesting. Right? Yeah. I like when it's, you know, like you said, I mean, they'll, they would never see that coming for sure. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. I think, I mean, evil is so much more interesting when it has a philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And you really if could look to, if you could look to just about any movie villain to find that kind of inspiration yeah. for their motives sure. and what would it's be the motive. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, and you see some movies are better at it than others, to be fair. But, this is true. you know, it's, um, yeah, but that's right. I mean, it's villains. Uh, you, the, they're the most interesting characters in, in, in movies. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the main character, the protagonist is usually kind of dumb. The protagonist usually... is usually just responding to things that are happening to them. They're not the right. impetus I mean, they, for the action they're right. responding well, they, they, they resist the call to adventure for the first third of the movie for yeah. a start that's that's a fucking formula right there i mean this is joseph campbell and um don't get me started on sid field and all the writing <laughs> shit anyway but yeah it's it's a trope and so they resist the call of adventure then they finally rise to the call of adventure they go into the the, the innermost cave they go to the supreme ordeal and you know they go eventually go back to the back to their world at the end of the story with whatever the alchemical thing is that they needed to do they've they've transformed they had to transform and they come back with that transformation back to the people of you know their relationships again at the end and pass them back to the village if you like mm -hmm. um, whatever anyway that's really condensed version of the hero's journey yeah yeah all right well so, yeah. I, I mean that's just a few examples so yeah. and then i thought this is just going to be dumb because again in the beginning of this episode then when we started talking about this i thought i was going to have to come up with like a list of deus ex machinas and a list right. of like ways to handle PC death if I'm going to run a one-on-one right. -on -one game and now I'm right. leaving this episode going I really only need that probably like once and what I yeah. need to do is craft everything before the death so that the death doesn't necessarily happen or if it does you know now I have this thing in my back pocket which is your journey to yeah. get your soul back or something you, like you've that got to, you've got to create the illusion of super high stakes and danger Right. But there's there's always got to be some like I mean okay so like again with the golem thing I was talking about you know I'm, I'm part of that I was making up on the spot and I was sitting there thinking okay well I'm not going to kill them with this golem that would be stupid they've yeah. decided to go and fight it what am I going to do well they 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 literally you know I had to come up with a way to avoid the golem killing them and I found that the golem had motives mm -hmm. that 
were otherwise, you know, sometimes you just have to improvise that shit. But if you can plan it ahead, that's even better. Yeah. You know, how much better are you at improvising when you've got a plan than when you don't have a plan? You might be really good at improvising, but when you're improvising with a plan, you, yeah. I reckon you're about 50% better off. <laughs> yeah, you that's know? true. So, all right, folks. Well, I feel like I definitely learned some things and I can't wait to implement them. I'm, you know, if I start a one-on-one campaign, I have, like I said, I have a couple of people asking about it. So if I start one, I'll have to let you guys know how it goes. I'll probably be coming yeah. to you for some advice. Um, well, but yeah. that'd be cool. So chat, thank you guys for staying with us. I hope you guys learned something or, you know, you guys, a lot of you shared with us your experiences. We made Um, it all the way through. We made it all the way through and we ate up some time too. So please remember to like, share and subscribe us. Uh, Check out our website to support us at uh, dungeonstudios.co. You can support uh, all of our shows and our products. Um, We're also working on increasing our presence online. So aside from finding us on Facebook and liking us, because that's where our podcast lives right now, um, come find us on YouTube and TikTok. Um, Once we get enough presence there, we might be able to move over. And uh, yeah, yeah, that would be great. You can also find our podcasts on all the podcast platforms, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. um, And... Oh, yeah. You can also find us on Discord. Please find us on Discord. We have a large community. Um, A lot of us are on there all the time talking with you guys and just sharing things, sharing memes and having a good old time. So come find us on Discord. Come hang out. And we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in running a game with me, I have a Discord also. Um, You can also find me on questbook.nz under the Storytellers tab. And I stream on Twitch. It's twitch.tv forward slash rollstream, R-O-L-E stream, rollstream. And I'm on YouTube as well um, with some how to play D&D videos and a whole bunch of game sessions that have been recorded. Um, And we've got some uh, conditions videos and basic mechanics videos and so on that um, I've had quite a lot of time put into them, quite frankly. And I'd really like it if you'd go and subscribe and like them. God damn it. (laughs) Because yes, please, thank you. I put more work into them, and then a lot of people that are making videos and have more subscribers than I do, and it really annoys me. So, you know, please. <laughs> Sorry. No, Once again, that's fine. All right, folks. Um, I'm, Russell, I wanted to check in with you. Do you have an outro? Because mine I need to work on. Well, do I have an outro? Well, today I do not actually have an outro. Maybe you can... You can help me with my outro. So my typical outro is Mondays can be fun days when you talk nerdy with friends. And you pointed out that where you live, it's Tuesday. So I thought I'd add a little Tuesdays can be something. And I could not think of anything. Tuesdays can be booze booze days. Booze, muse, lose, cruise. All right, chat. So if you guys have something great for Tuesdays, let me know and maybe we'll workshop this together. So um, that's going to be my outro. Um, Other than that, we'll see you guys. I will drop the links in the chat up right now. 
All right. Looks like yeah. someone's looking for links. All right. So we will see you guys next week, hopefully with Doc. Um, we do not have a set topic for next week's show yet, though I have a list to choose from. So if there is something specific that you guys want us to talk about, let us know. Uh, drop us a line on Facebook or in the chat or in Discord. Uh, we'll be happy to accommodate. So... Uh, I know that we've got links going in the chat right there for anybody who's interested in checking out uh, Russell's Twitch and his YouTube. And it looks like we'll probably get a link for Discord here in just a second. Tuesdays can uh, be... Tuesdays... Nope. Tuesday's just not a great word to rhyme with. It doesn't rhyme with anything, does it? No, it's like purple and orange. <laughs> purple and orange. <laughs> All right. These could be purple and orange. No. You maybe. <laughs> All right. Do we have all the? Oh my goodness! There's a lot of links. Look at this. Russell's got links. all the links. I'm spamming you, motherfuckers. I'm Tuesday's spamming. Gone. There we go. Good job, upright right. man. Okay. Thank you for watching and yes, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us and or thanks for listening to us. Thank you, Russell. Yeah. And we'll talk to you guys next week. And thank you, Amber. Yes. For all your hard work and research and thought and questions and, and keeping me freaking talking. Or <laughs> okay. Yeah, organized as well. Oh, you're all welcome. right. All right, guys. Have a good night. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.